This is the joy of gaming. Welcome to the Joy of Gaming podcast, episode 68. I'm Rich Lepore. Jordan Alseka. And we are back uh, to talk about some games, and there are a lot of games to talk about. We are here recording um, just about a week or so into December, and in December, it's often a time when I spend as much free time as I can muster playing the games that came out over the last two or three months, right? Uh, is that uh... the same way for you? Well, really, the whole year. I mean, a lot came out. I know. Uh, you know, that you don't get it around. Then Black Friday rolls around, and you can maybe try out a few more of the games from throughout the year because they usually discount pretty deeply around this time. They sure do. And even... Not everything, sadly, because yeah. Near Automata just basically stayed at full price. But Did it? What is full price for that right now? 50 I think. I think it was down to 40 but that, like, compared to pretty much literally anything else that was on yeah. sale. Might as well be. It's painful. It's painful. Well, that has some. That sometimes has some deals, and then if you double it up with your Best Buy, um, Best Buy has that awesome. Do you have a Best Buy where you live now? Uh, yes. So Best Buy has that awesome Gamers Club Unlock thing, and I know it's a tough pill to swallow at first to pay the thirty bucks, but you get two years of twenty percent off every game. Um, and I mean, if you think about that, that's forty eight dollars for any brand new game. But here's the best part: whenever Best Buy has a sale on anything, except for Black Friday. Um, but every other time, it's on top of the sale price. So if it's mm. like, so if Nier Automata was thirty four ninety nine, it'd be twenty percent off that. Um, so it's it's a really it's a really good deal. It's way better than the Amazon thing where you know it's twenty percent off, but you only get it like re- like if you pre order basically. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's it's a which cool I've thing. done. That's that is how I picked up Ultra Moon. But oh, okay, well that works then. Um, you know that's a way when you have Prime that you can if you know you're gonna pick up a game. Um, yeah, yeah. That you can jump on it. But anyway, we have lots of games to talk about. So for myself, um, I have played through Assassin's Creed Origins. Um, I have also played about half, maybe a little less than half, of Super Mario Odyssey on the Switch. So I have those to talk about. And Jordan, I know you have a couple uh, that you played through recently. Yeah, yeah. It's been a hot minute since we recorded. So It has, it has. I think we're at about a month uh, these days. So cool. Yeah. Um, so I, I'm looking forward to hearing uh, about Sonic um, and some other things. Yeah, and this is all. This will be, I guess, our last episode before a game of the year. That's so. right. That's right. Um, so uh, before then, though, there was a big event that just happened. Um, it is the 2017 Video Game Awards, hosted and sponsored and totally made by Jeff Keeley, um, my, <laughs> my, my boy Keeley. You know, I like Keeley, although I don't really see him as much anymore. Um, really, he he kind of goes behind the scenes and just does like I guess big deal sponsorship stuff that is much less enthusiast press. Um, but, uh, I still have a, a fondness in my heart for Mr. Doritos and Mountain Dew, so, uh, <laughs> whenever I see him, I, 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 I think, oh, that's cool. Did you see that, speaking of the Game Awards, did you see that really awkward moment with the guy that, uh, is making a way out when he was super drunk on stage? No, I, I did not actually watch the Game Awards because they are does. typically pretty cringe inducing they really are well this well apparently the dude from a way out he gets on stage and he just starts talking like defending or trying to like sort of defend ea 
Um, and he's like, I just want to say that every company F's up, man. Every company F's up sometimes. But I just want to say that every t- uh, all of my interactions with EA have been great, and, and, and they're really good people there. And, hey, within any company, there are good people and there are bad people, right? I mean, he just goes on and on. And Keeley is there, like, floundering, and he's just like, but your Lord. game's coming out soon, right? And the guy's just like, oh, I'm out of time, am I, Keeley? I mean, it was crazy. Um, Games is still gaming it's not it's not the oscars that's right that's right it's um it's, it's rough no i mean honestly the last time i i actually watched the vgas with my eyes would have been the year that uh moby dick games announced their their opus the uh the phantom pain <laughs> and we all know where that went oh right 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 you lost me with the moby dick games for a second but no yeah. i don't remember that yeah no because jay was just sitting in the audience for no reason <laughs> Yeah, and everybody knew what it was, and it fit, like, into the Phantom Pain, the words Metal Gear 5 fit, and everybody's like, look, look, look. Yeah, Uh, and he was back this year, of course, with uh, possibly something even more confusing. uh, Although beautiful and and fascinating. In a world, you know, you often talk, Jordan, about being, this is putting words in your mouth, but being a little uh, bored with a lot of the genres that we get year after year. Um, And you're always looking for new experiences. You talked about that when Longshot, the uh, Madden thing, came out. Um, yeah. Just that what was intriguing about that or, or, or refreshing was that it was refreshing, that it was something new that you hadn't done a thousand times. And playing through Assassin's Creed Origins, as I'll talk about more, um, although there were new things, there was a lot that felt very similar to you know every other game like that that we play. Um, sure. So Death Stranding looks like it's got totally different kind of – well, let's let's talk about it. Let's dive into Death Stranding. What are your thoughts on it? We saw that the, the fifth trailer, is it? I don't even know. I mean, I think there's... Does it matter? They can no. show us 100 trailers, and they'd probably still be as obtuse. I know it. I know it. I mean, so, so far, we've seen your boy Mads. We've yeah. seen uh, Mads Mikkelsen from Hannibal. Um, and now they... they believe it or not, they, when they refer to him, they say from uh, from Doctor Strange and... Um, what's the other thing he did? Oh, Rogue One. Casino Royale. Oh, no, Rogue One. Yeah, yeah. That, that's the big call-out recently. Um, but, sure. Um, so Mads Mikkelsen, um, strangely, in an acting role, Guillermo del Toro, and then most famously, um, um, what's his name? I don't even know. Norman Reedus. <laughs> thank you, thank you. The guy who's got the biking show on TV and that other show, you know. Um, but Norman Reedus is the star, and he gets pregnant in this game. It seems like. <laughs> Who knows? Uh, I worry about Hideo Kojima just fully unleashed. Um, he did make Metal Gear Solid 2, which I love, but, you know, f- <laughs> I think he's doing weird. I think a lot of creative people get up to that point where they've done so much they just like to get as weird as possible. And, and I would can tell them think, otherwise. Yeah, I would think that might be where his head is at, but maybe it'll all come together. Um, I think obtuse marketing can sometimes hide something that ends up being fairly straightforward. I don't think that'll be the case with this game, just mm-hmm. again, based on what he's made before, but, you know, we'll see. I don't know that... Is there any idea on a release date at this point? I don't I, think so. I think at least... I, I think if I had to put a number on it, I would say fall 2019. If I had to guess, just based on what I know about the game industry and history and Kojima, I would say fall 2019 or spring 2020 sounds about right to me. Um, and I would say... But no, we have no we have no idea at all. Um, and so when I see that trailer with basically a lot of interesting concepts, so it's, a, it's like what a five minute trailer, it's long, um, and it has things like um, these little babies that are in incubators, and they seem to be imbuing characters that carry them with powers, kind of like a Minority Report thing where they're kind of like Agatha, where if you hold on, where, where like they're they're 
you know they could tell you what's going to come in the future or when danger approaches um mm-hmm. and so when they hold on to the babies they have these little flickering things on their back they're like robotic flickering arms and they kind of like start like once the baby is in their arms then the 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 back thing starts flickering and going off you know to say basically that danger is coming and then danger does come in the form of these oil monsters but once once he drops the baby then the flickering stops basically that it's not actually all robotics that are detecting the danger but rather this baby plugged into something electronic and then we we match that with the idea that norman reedus is basically has a baby inside him. we in this one we even see all the way down his throat and there is straight up a baby in there um yep. so i mean something having to do with like children or babies having special powers and like the ultimate goal is to protect these babies so that you have their abilities or maybe they're the key to saving the world there's also talk in this trailer about like the the world began with a bang and then it ended and then it began again um and so it seems like a sort of you know post 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 apocalyptic vibe um i don't know it seems interesting what i always said is uh, what did, what did kojima say about this he talked about the gameplay being like strings or string based or something like oh, that. oh i could not wires tell you. I, i've it, been following this game pretty off and on yeah and more off yeah well i mean it's so far off it's hard to know and yet again we got no gameplay although this time we did see more of a sense of what it could look like being with this idea of like this this little robotic arm that warns you of impending danger. So there could be stealth elements. I'd be surprised if there weren't stealth elements of some sort, um, some kind of combat. I don't know what these strings or how that's going to work, but it, it, it'll be it'll be original. And and to your point that I referenced earlier, I mean, it'll be good to see something fresh and new, whatever it turns out to be. And with with these kind of production values. Yeah, I mean, I I, I think it's fair to say it's still a ways off. Mads is still over there working with him shooting it. So oh, that's going on right now. Assumedly, that or, I mean, they also just seem to be friends, but they were shooting a lot of, they had a big, uh, has posted a lot of photos of them together on social media. Oh, so. okay. Well, that's cool. I, I didn't know that. That's, I like that. Yeah. Um, that's the so we'll see whenever it comes out. It's still a ways off. I'm sure we'll get more obtuse trailers before then. <laughs> and then maybe a gameplay trailer. Maybe. Possibly. If we're super lucky. Um, all right. What else did, uh, what else happened at the uh, Game Awards? Uh, well, continuing on with, you know, given that Nintendo saved the franchise, Bayonetta 3 was announced for the Switch. Unreal. Uh, not a lot to go on there, just that it exists, but they also announced Bayonetta 1 and 2 are coming to the Switch, so you'll be able to play the whole series on the go. Making it a much more compelling buy for you as as the thing, as the games on that system add up, right? Yeah, no, I mean, I there is a lot on the Switch. It's had a surprisingly robust first year there were no delays on any of the games that were supposed to come out this year yeah. which uh you know is surprising for nintendo very un nintendo like continued to have good announcements they're really good at bringing the indie game and kind of sucking it away from the, the the sony side of things by getting a lot more indie developers so they're really they're building it out really well they are they have they have something here they know it um they've caught fire um not quite to the way that that uh, the Wii did, but in a similar kind of way where you talk about Switch and people's eyes light up, much like they did if you remember when the Wii came out. People were like, ooh, the Wii, the Wii. And now it's like, ooh, Switch, it's so cool. It's just, it's hip, it's hot. Um, but interestingly, unlike the Wii, there's just a lot more potential here because the layout is conducive to real games as opposed to, you know, shallow ones. So it seems like it has the excitement level and it potentially could have legs. And Nintendo has learned lessons. You know, we can see very clearly that at least so far this year, they've been doing the right things. They've been telling us what's coming down the pipe. 
Um, they've been delivering on all their key franchises. They haven't been holding back stuff. And when they make baffling decisions, at least they explain why they're making those decisions or give us some indication that a game's coming down the pike. So that's yeah. good. There's still some big ports I'm surprised they haven't announced. I'm surprised there hasn't been a Smash Bros. announcement or a Mario Maker announcement. I mean, the Wii U did have some good titles that nobody played. Right. So right. <laughs> hopefully those will get brought forward as well. That's a really good point. There is there is some more stuff, although Bayonetta is a good start in that direction, one and two. Certainly. Because two um, would just be lost on that system. A long-dead franchise is coming back. This is one that I think we talked about the last entry on our second episode uh, of the so you know five years back now, but Soul Calibur six was finally announced as being in development. Yeah, Soul Calibur is weird. Um, Soul Calibur is real weird. Soul Calibur original was I forget what system I think PlayStation one, and then Soul Calibur two was like GameCube, PS two, and Xbox, and then Soul Calibur three was PS three only. Soul Calibur, oh PS two, PS two only. I mean yeah yeah yeah, yeah. And, and then, then and then cross platform yeah. three sixty PS three with Star Wars. <laughs> that was four. weird. That was really weird. And then five came out. What was five's deal? Um, I you know I remember nobody liked it. Yeah. <laughs> I remember Tim really went against it. Um, and I remember the big thing being it was a, a time when you know five years ago is when Street Fighter Four had really blown mm-hmm. up. It was when mm-hmm. uh, Mortal Kombat had returned. So this was supposed to, or five was going to be Soul Calibur coming back and you know getting over some. I mean nobody. Re- I think everyone agrees Soul Calibur two is the the most beloved. Mm-hmm. Uh, so 5 was supposed to kind of bring it to the next level. It didn't. It sort of faded away, and it seems like they're finally giving Soul Calibur another shot. That's cool. Hey, you know, I'm I'm with it. One day, that'll be the story we hear about in the new Mass Effect when it gets announced. It'll be that same thing about five years <laughs> from now. They'll be like, new Mass Effect. Here it is. Um, uh, I almost got that on Black Friday because it was cheap, but I did so not. It's so cheap. It's like 10 bucks, 12 bucks, and it's still maybe not worth it. When you see those... When you see those clips of those dead fish eyes and the terrible dialogue, it's like the one <laughs> thing I want from this game is like a great story, and it's going to be hard to take them seriously looking like that. Yeah. I'll um, still play it one day, but... No, certainly. Uh, there were a few other small enough. I think those were the big three. World War Z is getting a game. Um, the makers of, excuse me, Firewatch developing their new game. There's, uh, I think, a Rick and Morty VR, another game of that nature coming Fortnite got a 50 versus 50 mode, um, but those were the smaller things. I think the big thing was obviously Death Stranding, and then mm-hmm. Bayonetta and Soul Calibur. Oh, oh, there was Motorcycle DLC for Breath of the Wild. Actually, well, there's more than that. Um, so Breath of the Wild had that did that thing that I love, where they where they're like, hey, you know this DLC you guys have been waiting for forever? Not only is it coming out this month, it's out now. Go download it. That yes. whole thing, which I love. Um, and so what? Uh, just to give you a little insight into this, if you didn't know, um, when Breath of the Wild launched, it launched with an expansion pass for 20 bucks. Um, and that expansion pass was going to give you two DLCs, one that came out relatively soon after release, like a month or two. And that one basically made gave it like a master mode that was harder, um, and then like this like waves of enemies mode. It was fun, but it was more limited. And they kept saying, well, DLC 2, though... You know, wait for that DLC too, because that's going to be a story DLC continuation. And then we found out what's called the Champions Ballad, and then we saw the uh, um, amiibos that were going to be launched with it. But we all were wondering, are you going to play as the champions instead of Zelda? Because there's these four like champions that you meet that are not alive anymore, but like you 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 see their ghosts. So it was like maybe you bring them back to life or something. So everybody's really excited about it, but nobody had a date, and you know everybody was speculating maybe November, or maybe December. Or we just didn't know, and all of a sudden it it just dropped. Um, and then, like you mentioned, it has the Master Cycle Zero, 
um, which is pretty cool. The only downside to it is you have to put materials in the gas tank to make it run. So you actually have to like hunt stuff to like throw in the gas tank. So it's not like an unlimited mount like a horse is, which is I guess mm-hmm. that's fine because it'd be OP otherwise. I mean, who really cares once you're at the absolute end of that game? It doesn't really matter anyway. But because that is like a it's like total end game uh, uh, item. But um, the Champions Ballad DLC seems to be pretty well received. Um, and it dropped at the same time. That's the bigger story. And you know, it's got a bunch of new shrines. I haven't really ever seen like an exact answer on how many new ones, but they're a lot harder. Um, you know, they're those little mini little mini dungeons that there were 120 of in the in the core game. Um, mm-hmm. So there's new shrines. There's actually a new um, uh, divine beast, which is like the which, which is a dungeon. So there's a straight up new dungeon. Um, and then like it upgrades all your other abilities one notch to make them like the plus versions. And then it also gives you um, like a new ability of some sort. So it's pretty robust. It's a pretty it's a pretty big deal. So for twenty dollars, they gave you a lot of content. Um, again, nice solid Nintendo move. Cool. Is that the first game you'll play when you get your Switch? Um, I don't know. Probably. I mean, I I'm more excited for Odyssey. If I'm being honest, so yeah. I'd probably play that. Yeah. Odyssey's uh, Odyssey's fun. Although they're Nintendo games, so they're gonna stay expensive. So I might play more cheap things first. At all honesty. That's true. That's that's definitely true. Um, or you could get that Best Buy Gamers Unlocked and get each one for forty eight bucks. All right, I digress. Yeah. Um, so uh, let's see. Oh, there's a couple other things that I wanted to mention um, out of PSX, and, and I well, uh, just because we're talking news, and then we'll talk about the um, the awards, uh, the game awards. These are just really quick things. Um, so the first one was um, Medieval. Um, they announced a remaster for Medieval at PSX. Um, I know you're a Medieval fan, right? No. I thought you were a Medieval fan. No, Tim is. Oh. I, I'm not big on it. I mean, I I'm not against you. it. I thought that was no, you who's... Okay. I've never played it. Never mind then. And then the... Because I, I, otherwise I have no real connection to that series except I got it for PSP and I was like, eh, that's kind of cool, I guess. Um, no, the other one um, is this game Dreams from Media Molecule. Have you seen this? No. So what it is is it's their new, like, create, play, share game. You know, like the um, little big planet that genre they created. And what and except it, it's, like, got these three settings, and one of them's a noir setting. So you can actually, like, build a noir-themed video game, like, with characters, like an adventure game. It looks really, really cool. So they had a trailer showing off some of the tools you'll be able to use in the single-player campaign. So it looks like Media Molecule is kind of back at it. Um, but anyway, that was it. Uh, so how about the awards at um, Game Awards? All right. Well, there was it was a fairly robust list as it is every year. I, I don't want to, We don't need to hit every single award. I'm going to hit this one just because it the, the category made me laugh. All right. Um, best debut indie game presented by Shik Hydro. Oh. Uh, the I winner guess it has for this to be one like Sharp. Anyway. <laughs> the winner for this one was Cuphead, uh, right. which is the game I still haven't played. I really would like to. I just haven't yet. It's a masochistic game. It's kind of like, right? It's like a, a platformer, kind of like maybe Super Meat Boy, but much more boss-based. Um, Yeah, kind of. Um, I, I, again, I, I know people love it. I would love to try it. I was looking forward to it. I just, a lot came out. Yeah, for sure. Okay, cool. So Cuphead wins the Schick Award. What an honor. <laughs> uh, best esports game went to Overwatch, which I mentioned because, uh, you know, aside from playing a lot of Overwatch, the Overwatch League did just start. Um, and I've watched several of the matches, and it's been really entertaining. They, is it they, really? They seem, yeah, they figured out how to 
show it off in the best way. They've uh, got great casters, you know, commenting on it. And more than anything, they have just the slickest team skins that all of the characters on one team get to wear. Um, it's had a very big launch over the past few days, uh, introducing the eight different uh, or the 12 different teams that will be representing uh, different cities. But again, most a lot the players are from all over Europe, Korea, America. Um, you know, like any major sports team. Right, right. Well, that's cool. Um, yeah, no, the, the it's just a really entertaining thing. It shows off high-level Overwatch play, which is pretty crazy, and people doing things with characters that take a lot of skill and practice, but that's any eSport. Right, right, for sure. Um, but uh, just, just as someone who's new to eSports, I've never been that into them. We did cover MLG a few years when we were both a technician. Uh-huh. Uh, but it was still, even then, even being big into Halo, it was never something that grabbed me, but I, I'm enjoying Overwatch League so far. Well, you know, it was in its infancy. They've been trying to build it up and build it up. It had that feeling back in the day of, like, you know, when you'd watch it, a lot of the casters, um, I guess that's the lingo for it now, um, shoutcasters, they were very much like, yeah, man, look what he's doing with that character, and, and just really, like, playing it up and trying to, like, be cool in an artificial way, and it really fell flat, like a lot of things are, like, you know, fake it till you make it is a very real thing in life, I find that out more and more as I cruise through my adult life, and when you see things like, you know, trying to build a franchise or build a league or build a concept of esports. You see people playing it into this whole like what a shoutcaster should be, and they don't necessarily like have like the like the genuine I don't know something the je ne sais quoi that it takes to be really good at that. But now that esports has really grown up, I, I would assume it's just so much more evolved and better and deeper, and you know, not being afraid of having depth. Yeah, it's uh, it's definitely more more fully formed i mean they built a full stadium to play these games in are you serious um, wait yeah virtual or no it's a real stadium the teams got together played there there was an audience they have like display screens it's uh it's a whole thing wow cool i'm into it i'm into it that's that's good for it's good for video games so i'm cool with that all right uh next next award sponsored by mcdonald's got oh, most anticipated geez. most anticipated game presented by mccafe <laughs> Okay. Uh, a winner for this one was The Last of Us Part Two, uh, which right. beat out some big ones. I mean, beat out Marvel Spider Man, beat out Red Dead Two, Monster World, Hunter Red World. Red Dead Two. Wow. Yeah. I would have thought uh, that would have taken top prize because actually, if I had to say like who, what people I know are most excited about, I'd say it's probably that. It's probably yeah, Red Dead Two. I've heard a lot of love for. Um, really, all of these games, but uh, yeah, Lost of, Last of Us has had a lot of hype. A lot of people excited for it. I am not, but I, <laughs> I will play it when it yeah, comes out. We'll certainly play it. Yeah. Um. I, I mean, I haven't that, even seen the second trailer. I only saw the the really. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You, that's the one I'm talking about. It's it's incredibly violent and bloody. Yeah, I just saw a lot of people reacting negatively to that trailer. Uh, so I'm I'm I I just haven't watched it, but. Again, The Last of Us was not a game that blew either of us away, really, I don't think. No. So... It was good. It was a good game. Really well made. Um, certainly not anywhere near, you know, probably my top 50, you know, so. Mm-hmm. What else? Uh, I'm next these. up. I'm enjoying these. Best multiplayer. This one's not too surprising. Player Unknown's Battlegrounds, oh, which. Oh, goodness. It would be a travesty if it didn't win. Um, yeah, this year that game really blew up. I know it was a contender for Game of the Year, and just in terms of cultural saturation, it probably is. Um, 
but it it just it blew up. It's had a lot of development. It's coming to consoles soon. It's getting that second map. Uh, it's a big deal. It is a huge. huge I have not deal. played it because it's not on consoles yet, but I have played Fortnite, which you know just shamelessly ripped it off. So and it shamelessly. is a very fun concept for how to set up a multiplayer battleground. So yeah. Uh, do you enjoy Fortnite uh, Battle Royale? Yeah, what I played of it. Um, I think it's a game that is more fun with people, and I sure. just don't have a big group of people. So right. Uh, best best strategy game, you know, good for Mario and Rabbids Kingdom Battle. Nice way. Well, that's... out uh, XCOM 2's expansion, Halo Wars 2, um, Total War Warhammer 2. So it, it definitely probably had. Uh, I given that that is a more specific genre that has its own subset of fans i'm not too surprised that the game awards probably attracts a different audience yeah yeah um, no, that's the kind but... of thing they're, they're, yeah a lot of those games are really in-depth and complex and like true strategy heads probably like balked balked when they saw this but at the same time that game is really great at bridging the gap between non-strategy players like me um and uh and that genre so yeah i'm excited to try that 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 actually might <laughs> that would maybe be the first switch game i played wow awesome okay um Best family game went to Super Mario Odyssey. Okay, that, that not that too works. much of a surprise. That works. It's not really that family-ish in that. I mean, it is, but at the same time, it's not really multiplayer. It, I don't know. Well, I mean, you know, family-appropriate gameplay is okay. the way to describe it. And I mean, this was a Nintendo-dominated category. The other contestants: Mario and Rabbids, Mario Kart 8, Splatoon 2, oh, yeah. um, and then Sonic Mania. So, I mean, Mar- okay. Nintendo had a pretty good shot of winning this one. Yeah, I'd say. I'd say. Okay. Uh, best fighting game, no surprise here. Injustice 2 took it home. Got it. Um, I'm sure I think happy just about that. generally. Yeah, I loved it. I think it did have the best critical reception outside of maybe Nidhogg 2, but that's more of a niche fighting game. Nidhogg 2 yeah. had a ridiculously good reception? Yeah. I didn't know that. Uh, Tekken 7 and Marvel vs. Capcom Infinite I don't think lit anyone's world on fire. Mm. Mm-mm. And then Arms had a had a big launch and then has kind of faded away. Their their desires to make it competitive not probably reaching as far as they wanted it to. <laughs> yeah, I'll say. Uh, best RPG was Persona Five. Okay. Not really a surprise there. Final Fantasy Fifteen was in this category, I guess, from a version on another console. So this um this this um yeah I guess so this game um. What's the one you just mentioned, the RPG? Um, oh, Persona. Persona so yeah. did you st- you're still not back, right, after you got so disappointed? Uh, not yet. I was actually thinking of playing it next just on some of the other games I've been playing lately. But Yeah, I've actually been thinking about diving back into it, too, um, as I hit And balls. it's the end of the year. Yeah. <laughs> I'd like to fit. Yeah, I, I certainly would, too, for the conversation. Um, so Persona 5, though, is definitely a very, very good game. So yeah, no no question. Mechanically, especially, just just uh, you know, epically playable. Um, best action adventure: Legend of Zelda: Breath of the Wild. No 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 contest there. That's totally deserving. Once you play that game, you you'll you will know. It's it's yeah. it's just plays so well. Best action game went to Wolfenstein Two, mm. uh, beating out some heavy ones: Neo, Prey, um, Destiny Two. But mm. uh, from the little I've played of that, I think it's definitely deserved. Okay. And best VR AR. I don't even feel I need to say this. Resident Evil Seven Biohazard was the best VR experience. It's the only. It's the only VR game really of the year. I think Super Hot VR would also probably be pretty sweet. But yeah. I, I again, I think that came out pretty recently too. Yeah, so. that's true. So Resident Evil Seven taking that home, not a real surprise. 
best handheld game, Metroid Returns. Okay. Or Samus Returns. That's a good call. Which I think it was, I mean, honestly, just looking at this, it was a pretty slow year for handhelds, If you're, especially if Switch doesn't count as one. Mm-hmm. Well, I'll say, uh, I'll say this, though. Uh, I was looking at IGN's list of the best 3DS games of the year, the top 10, and holy shit, that was stacked out, that list. Um, yeah. It was, I mean, from just things I didn't think of, like Monster Hunter Stories came out. Um, the Ever new, Oasis. Yeah, the new Layton game, Mystery Adventure, whatever, came out. Fire Emblem Echoes. Uh, yeah, there was a lot of titles. It really was a good 3DS year. Um, and, you know, ho- hopefully next year is being probably the last 3DS year still has some good stuff waiting for us. Yeah. Uh, this is an interesting category. Best ongoing game. So Destiny game two. development that's continuing to evolve content over time. Winner here was Overwatch. Oh, right, right, right. Okay. Not a surprise. Destiny 2 was in there. So was Grand Theft Auto Online, PlayerUnknown's Battlegrounds, Rainbow Six Siege, which really has surprised me by the legs that game has I can't has believe had. it. That game is one of the top ten most played games on Steam still. Like, yeah. are you serious? Like, are you really serious? It's it's unbelievable. It's supposedly just really fun. And, you know, it, it teaches a lesson. Destiny 2 has really learned this lesson a really hard way. This, this launch season, I don't know if you've seen all the really bad whiplash that game's gotten recently, but the real problem has been they made it way too casual. And so there's nothing to do after a certain point. And everybody is livid mad because they're like, Destiny 1 got awesome and there was all this great depth. And now you took it all out to make it, quote, a collection game and to, quote, let the tourist players have more stuff they can just jump in and play. <laughs> like, come on, dude. Like, catering to the tourist players? Never do that. I uh, mean, do that if that's what you're going to do, but don't develop it for three years and then try to get people interested after a certain point. Because yeah. you're just going to have a PR problem. I'm not interested. I hear you say that, and I still, it's not like it was a game I was jumping on. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Because it, it, I was saying over and over again, you can jump right into it. You can play that campaign. It's super fun. Play it through with three different classes. Have a good time. There's even a free beta you haven't played. I mean, a, yeah. a free trial that is, you can play up to eleven seven, level seven. I don't know if you knew that, Jordan. I did not. Yeah, but there, it's free. You can just straight up play it. Um. So anyway, and if you do yeah. it, please do it on PS4. All right. Because <laughs> um, you because you, you guys both have that as well. All right. Yeah. Um. um go ahead. Games for Impact, so thought-provoking game with a profound social meaning or message. Uh, Hellblade, Sinuous Sacrifice. Did they which... make up that award just for this? No, I mean, there, there are a lot of games in here. Life is Strange, Before the Storm, What Remains of Edith Finch, Night in the Woods. Um, I think it is definitely just a game with a lot. I, I, I mean, I, I would assume, it's, it's a weird category, but I would assume it's impact in terms of depth you know narrative significance i don't know it's it's an odd it's an odd category well i, I guess wonder, i get what they're going they, for what i wonder is did they make that up this year though with all of these great games especially senate with sacrifice in mind or has that been an award for multiple years that but, i don't know because that's the thing because you know senate with sacrifice is like handmade for that category um being a game that that literally specifically wanted to use fantasy trappings to talk about um mental illness so yeah um, that said, in similar best performance went to Melina Jurgens for Hellblade, playing Senua in that game. Awesome. Um, next up, I think we're getting near the end here. Best cool. audio design, Hellblade, Senua, Sacrifice. All actually right. took a number of awards. Oh, wow, okay. Good, um, for the, good for them. Because I don't know that that game sold, like, amazingly well, so at least it's getting some critical acclaim. Maybe it'll pop back up like that Oscars bump usually does. Yeah, best uh, score music went to Nier Automata, which definitely has me interested, given that it beat out Persona 5, which wow. I thought had a phenomenal soundtrack. Wow. Um, 
Best art direction, Cuphead. Not a surprise there. Yeah, that's gorgeous. <laughs> that, that game lives and dies on that art style. It's so. gorgeous. Uh, best narrative, What Remains of Edith Finch. Have you played that? That one I have not. I'm interested now. Yeah. Because uh, it beat out some narrative heavy hitters like Wolfenstein and Horizon. Um, Hellblade, which just, you know, we just read through a bunch of awards it took home. I can't believe that um, What Remains is, is that good. Like, when I heard the premise, I was like, okay, that sounds okay. It sounds like one of those games that's probably just, like, really depressing, and, and that's fine. But now it sounds, if, it, if it really has, like, a deep, compelling story, I don't mind if it's depressing as long as it's not just, like, depressing for the sake of, like, oh, look at these dead people and the horrible shit they went through. Boo-hoo. You know, as long as it's much more like, you know, telling me a compelling narrative. And if it wants to be sad, that's fine. Um, and if that's the case, I'm, ga- I'm game, you know? Yeah. Uh, and the final one worth mentioning, Game of the Year, Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild. All right. Uh, was, pre- uh, was Battleground in the running? Battleground was in the running, Super Mario Odyssey, Horizon, and Persona 5 were okay. the games. Good, good picks. Good picks. I mean, people like people like Jeff Gerspin from Giant Bomb or, you know, go to L.A. and have these conversations. So, I mean, it's smart people in the, in the conversation for sure. Yeah, I know. Um, I think these were definitely interesting categories to talk about. Uh, outside of Game of the Year, we don't really do any of these categories. So That's a good point. We'll... We should think about that, yeah. We'll probably add a few more this year. Who knows? We always like to throw in some curveballs. Right, right. Uh, All right. It's fun looking at what other people thought. I can guarantee my game of the year won't be Legend of Zelda. So yeah. <laughs> it'll be interesting to see where we go. That's true. It's it. Well, I mean, with us, obviously, having not being uh, full-time game uh, reviewers, obviously, some of it's going to be what we've played, and we have to take that into consideration. That's what sure. our podcast is. Um, but on the other hand, that makes it interesting. It becomes a matter of, you know, what of the stuff that has compelled us to play it um, makes the cut. So. Anyway, um, I also do make an effort to try to play some of the big things that even if it isn't, like, my number one pick, I just want to, like, try it so I know what it's all about um, for those conversations. Right. Um, All right. Let's see what else there is to talk about. Um, So on the news front, a couple of little things. Um, So Destiny 2, I I just was going into it before. They have this really big problem where they're they're not even – right after the launch of their – their new DLC just launched on the 5th. And right after it launched, they were not even on the top 10 for Twitch streaming. Like, that's how far they've fallen. Um, it's bad. They don't, and they actually, I think they have like a cease and, and desist order out. I don't, take this with a grain of salt, because I've heard it from a couple people, but I haven't verified it. But there used to be this game statistics place where you could go and see how many active players were on Destiny 2. And they've supposedly like shut them down. Now they're not allowed to say. That's what I heard, anyway. Um, so because it got so depressing and bad for PR, um, and then two really bad things happened to Destiny. Uh, one was that um, they had XP Gate, um, and what it turned out to be is that um, if you play public events for a while, um, it stops giving you the amount of of XP that you were getting for it, um, and uh, that's controversial because that once you've hit level cap at 20 that xp goes towards the um eververse store which is the where the microtransactions come into effect so that's mm. your that's your free way to get access to those those items um and so when they start throttling that xp people get suspicious but the real problem is not that they were throttling it which does suck but that on the xp bar it would show that you're getting the full amount of xp but they wouldn't actually give it to you behind the scenes Huh. Um, so they so people just like revolted about that. They did a quick fix and made it worse, where it then started taking twice as long to get XP. And they went on and had a podcast and explained it all the way. And and it does make some sense what happened, but it, it, it's shady. I mean, they even said on the podcast, nobody's going to believe us. We know that. 
Um, and so, I mean, there's smart people making that game, but at the same time, Activision is involved, and Activision's hardcore. They want money. Um, so there's, you know, there's pushing and pulling going on there. A lot of the problems Destiny's had when you really read, like, Jason Schreier's story on what happened with Destiny 1 and, and the lead-up to Destiny 2 and all that stuff, they're always rushed. They're always fighting with Activision for more time. Um, it's, 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 it's a clusterfuck. It really is. Um, so the, the fact that it's as good as it is, 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 is pretty surprising considering what they're dealing with. And now the new talk is that Anthem is in trouble. Um, a lot of Anthem's, oh right? A lot of Anthem's developers have left. Um, you know, they did get, uh, Casey Hudson back, so that's good to the studio, but, but generally speaking, also this whole thing that happened with EA with the microtransactions around, um, Star Wars, Battlefront 2, um, like, made everybody really scared. Because the backlash could have destroyed that game, and Disney was super pissed because that's their franchise. And to, to corrupt Star Wars that way, in their mind, I mean, if it had just gone smoothly, they wouldn't have cared. But because it was such a controversy, it was they they, they got on their case, and that's why EA backpedaled the uh, microtransactions right out of that game because Disney wields power, and they were like, "We aren't having it." The PR damage you're doing is worse than the money you would have made. So they got rid of those. But now Anthem has to reconsider because they were going to be very microtransaction heavy, the word is, which is just you know recipe for fucking disaster in my eyes. But that was what where they were going. So they're now rethinking their microtransaction strategy. So all that kind of stuff is good. And it's a good thing. It's good for gamers that they fought back in this case and they won one for the, for the no microtransactions team. Because if you want to have that shit in mobile games, fine. I just won't play them. But when you start invading the shit I want to play then we got problems. So I'm really glad mm -hmm. that that's not happening. Um, and then the other thing with Destiny is um, the new uh, DLC came out, and it's like, it's really lackluster. It's it's really, uh, there's not much to it. Um, the game is still fun. It's good to have new items and stuff back in it, but everybody's just like, where the fuck is the game? There's nothing to do in this game. We're really pissed. Oh, and the <laughs> other and the other big, um, the other big controversy is, I almost forgot this. So once the DLC came out, the prestige activity, so they, they raised the level cap of the raid and the prestige raid from, it used to be like 240 and 270, they raised it to 300 and 330. So what that now means is people that just bought Destiny 2 but don't have the expansion literally can't level up enough to play the prestige raid that they used to have access to. So once and, and so even though most people buy the expansion, it's a non-issue for any regular Destiny Two players. They've been limited and cut out of content that they used to have as part of the game. They yeah. literally can't do it now. So 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 the developers are freaking out. They're like, "This is a PR nightmare. We literally took content from players." Um, so not, not great. So, not not great at all. So Destiny is struggling really hard right now, and uh, they're trying some little things like Masterworks weapons and stuff to try to to try to come back. Um, We'll see how they do, but anyway. Yeah. <clears throat> um, All right. Any uh, any other news stories you had? Did you play the Monster Hunter beta that just dropped? Nope. <laughs> you you going to dive in? Probably not. I hate betas. I don't want to play a beta uh, when it's a game that I'm going to collect a bunch of great shit that I don't want to lose in, you know? Right. That's, that's <clears throat> kind of me. You're going to play that game when it comes out, though. Probably. Yeah. Cool. All righty. Well, I think it's a great segue. <laughs> um... Yeah, or not a segue at all, but we'll call it one, um, into talking about the games we've been playing. And, Jordan, I would love to hear from you first about uh, one of your big games. So would you mind kicking it off? All right. I guess, um, let's see. I've played a lot. I guess, in all honesty, the thing I've... Well, there's two games I've spent the most time with, but I'll start with Sonic Forces. So okay. that's the oldest one, and um, just, yeah, it's been, it's been a hot second now. And I'm dying to hear about it. So let's hear about it. We talked real briefly where you said it's fun, but, well, anyway, I'll let you talk. 
Um, I mean, <laughs> I, I never know. I, I don't. I even know how to describe it. It is a game that is not great. <laughs> um, what but is I, it? So this is the new game. So what, what was the progression? It was generations from the core Sonic team. What did they make? They they made. Well, this game continues the gameplay style from what went from Unleashed to Colors to Generations. After Generations, they tried to switch things up, and they did Lost World, which was, you know, kind of unanimously disliked by a lot of people. Mm-hmm. That was where they went for the Mario Galaxy kind of vibe. Yeah. Okay. And then Sonic Boom came out from a Western developer, and that game got even worse reviews. But that's not Sonic Team. No, that was not Sonic Team. Um, I think that was, like, Big Red Games or something. I forget, nice. honestly. Um, and then, uh, although uh, the cartoon is apparently pretty well-liked for Sonic Boom. Okay. So, well, that's got good. that going for it. Yeah. Uh, and then they, basically, they did Sonic Forces was announced same time as Sonic Mania. And they said, this is going to be a game that takes things back to the uh, Sonic Generation style of gameplay, which also involved the return of classic Sonic. Um, and then also it was going to introduce avatar creation where you could make your own avatar, get customizable items in game. Uh, and then there would be avatar stages that would have a slightly different gameplay style built, not around fast running, but using a grappling hook and whatnot. Okay. Uh, and so the game came out and it, uh, was those things, but it definitely feels off. Um, it, it's all, there's 30 stages in the game, which is technically more than generations. Uh, but are, they are, are they all 2D. Ex- are they 3D? What are they? Well, modern Sonic is 3D, occasionally switching to 2D. Same for the Avatar, and then classic Sonic is 2D. Oh, um, so the Avatar stuff is its own stuff. You can't play it in the normal content. What do you mean by? Well, you said 30 levels, and like there's 3D, there's the Avatar, and then there's the 2D. So I figure 3D and 2D are different gameplay. So where? Well, the no, Avatar no, there's, there's, there is, there's. When you're playing Modern Sonic, there are 3D segments and there are 2D segments. Oh, okay. When you're playing the Avatar, there are 3D segments and there are 2D segments. And then when you're playing as Classic Sonic, it's always 2D. But are, uh, are those different stages for each of those is what I mean. Yes. So when you're the Avatars, that's not the same content you play as 3D Sonic or 2D Sonic. Uh, yes and no. There's there's The setting is the same. And I sometimes they're very similar with the Modern and Avatar stuff. Okay, um, got it. So it's pretty. But they, they are share, different. They share content, but the way you start it, you kick it off from a menu differently. Yeah, they they each have a level set in Green Hill. They each have a level set in Chemical Plant. They each have a level set on the Death Egg. So you see the the same assets are used, but they're different levels. Okay. Well, I picked it up for Switch um, because it was a really good price on Black Friday. It was like twenty four ninety nine. Yeah. Um, and I was like, I'm grabbing it. I'm having it. Um, so let's try this game out. And I haven't had a chance to play it yet. Um, it isn't like number one on the pile. Um, but when I jump in, what do you think is my experience is going to be like? What do I, what do you do when you first start? Do you like pick, you make an avatar immediately? Do you, pick... you, 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 it opens up with a Sonic level. So you play that, then you make your avatar, then you play an avatar level and it just kind of alternates around from there. Um, and, and is it a story and does it work? Yeah, the story's there. It's about, I mean, it's basically a world where Eggman wins and it's all about the war to, uh, try to bring down Eggman's empire. That sounds good. Uh, I mean, it's weirdly... Sonic has always been a franchise that'll get weirdly dark with its content without really reflecting on that. I mean, mm-hmm. this whole game opens with Sonic being taken prisoner and tortured for months. 
And Tails goes into exile because he feels like he failed Sonic. But oh none of it is God. played. None of it is played as dark as you would expect from just that narrative. Right. So but that it, is the narrative. So if you spend time thinking about what you're actually seeing on the screen, then you'll realize that like it should have weight, but the way they present it is not in a weighty way. Yeah, but that's any of the Sonic games since you know around Sonic Adventure one or two. Okay. <laughs> um. Uh, the, the the real problem is the levels are very short. They are not as complex. They took out some of the mechanics. There's no drifting. Um, the boosting is a lot easier to hold on to. Uh, it, oh. a, a lot of the reviewers talk about how it seems like it's built around speed running, which could definitely be part of the case. Because um, it is it is a big part of it is speed running through the levels as fast as possible, which you're not going to know the first time through. There's going to be mistakes. Um, but it does kind of have that generations problem of it's really hard. If you don't die, it's kind of hard not to just S rank in a level outright. So it's also nothing. These, yeah, they also have these um, daily missions that can give you up to a times three point boost, which basically means it's impossible not to S rank it. So it got too easy in one way? I mean, if you're trying to 1000 it, which I don't think most people are going to do, uh, if you're just trying to play it, it's not a long game. It's like four hours. Okay. Um, All right. Well, five hours because it's it's like levels are over in a couple minutes, and I mean there's thirty of them, but there's a, they're over in a couple of minutes outside right. of maybe the modern the the classic Sonic stages because the physics there are just they've always been kind of wonky outside of the classic games, but it's particularly pronounced given that Sonic Mania just came out a few months ago, and that's kind of perfect. Yeah. Um, this definitely is connected to Mania narratively because they use the same item, the Phantom Ruby. It actually kind of it sets up Sonic Mania as a prequel to this one, <laughs> which is weird. That seems like a good idea, maybe. I mean, it's as it's as shallow as like in the true ending to Sonic Mania, the Phantom Ruby makes Sonic disappear, and then in this one he appears. So it's like he's just time traveled oh or is from a universe. Why? Um, they, what, so how did they screw this up? Like. You know, it, it, so it didn't get a good receipt receive, uh, receipt from fans, right? Well, <laughs> I don't know. It's all over the place. I mean, it got some really low reviews, but then casual Sonic people thought it was all right, so it got kind of like sixes. Um, and I mean, I don't think it's a very good game. I couldn't recommend it to anyone. I think there are better Sonic games out there, but I played the shit out of it. I put like 25 hours into this game. <laughs> Where is that depth come in, aside from Thousand Pointing It? Uh, I mean, it's from that. That's, that's how I spent the time. Because, I mean, everything has achievements attached to it. So it's S-ranking every level. It's beating every level under the par time. It's, um... Is that hard? That's hard, because there's no real cheat there. You just have to do stuff perfectly. Okay. Um, what else? There's the, uh, there's Red Rings, which have been in most modern Sonic games, uh, since, I think... Generations or colors. They're like hidden uh, hidden uh, items. They're hidden rings, yeah, that you you find. And then once you've found all the red rings in a level, there is a set of uh, number rings that you have to collect in a specific order. And then once you've done that, there are moon medals that you have to collect under a time limit. <laughs> so each huh. level has three sets of collectibles that you have to find. Um, and then you also have to collect... Um, you have to level up each avatar to full level, uh, which there are seven of those. And then you have to collect 100,000 rings in total. You also okay. have to destroy, like, I think 10,000 enemies, but that came way sooner, so that wasn't an issue. Huh. 
Okay. Um, so a lot of it at the at the very very end after I'd done everything else, it was playing a level where I could get 999 rings very easily. You know, 20 times or so. Okay, got it. But I just kept I kept wanting to play it. It is not a very good game. Okay. <laughs> like on a, on a scoring level, it's probably a six six five if I'm being generous. But I I couldn't stop playing it. So like on a fun level and an addiction level, it's like an eight five though for you. For me specifically, being that that's how I am with just about every Sonic game. Right. Um, you know, I, I did a thousand Sonic Mania, though that was actually good and was not as nearly as hard to do. I did a thousand uh, Sonic Generations, which I think I did that in a day. So that one was definitely not that hard to do. What, um, what about how does this compare to Unleashed as a whole package? You know, Unleashed is nine years old, okay. so it's, it's a hard comparison. Not in it. Yeah, but again, I think that the daytime stages there were really good. They had a lot of depth and a lot of skill that you had to put in. It was just the shakier version of it. There was a lot of filler outside of that with getting medals and getting the Werehog stages, which were you know significantly longer. I think the biggest complaint against Unleashed is just how little running as Sonic you do. That's why I like Colors and Generations because right. they focus on that. They are shorter games as a result, but they are more focused fun games. And this game I think goes a little too far. With just stripping the depth out of the actual levels. I see. Okay. Well, I mean, it sounds it sounds like a fun experience if you like Sonic a whole hell of a lot. Yeah, that, that was basically my thing. I am a Sonic fan for life. Um, when I do get one of the games, I tend to play it into the ground. Right. Um, right. And that's what I did here. So the so the actual gameplay doesn't feel like as tight or solid as say definitely not Mania and not as good as say Generations like in the gameplay feel. Oh, definitely. It's just the levels are too rudimentary in terms of the type of things they ask you to do. Um, like it definitely leads into that complaint a lot of people have about levels just being um, slightly interactive roller coaster movies. You know, the 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 grinding sections don't have as much dodging and having to jump gaps. The there's no drifting. The boosting is a lot more mindless. It just it, it's just lacking a lot. I see. But. Because I love Sonic and I like those roller coaster, even when it's like not a lot of input for me, it was still fun to do and watch and you know perfect the slight things that needed to be perfected. All right. Well, that sounds. It sounds like it was a good experience overall for you then. Yeah. Um, and I mean, I think it's definitely a case of Sega realizing they're the classic Sonic fans who just do not give a shit about the modern side of things and just want games like Sonic Mania. And then there is the. <laughs> modern audience who likes the kind of cheesy storytelling um and they they do like the gameplay and then there's people who just you know realize they were furries from playing sonic and so we got a lot of make your own fursona customization in the game okay all right so it's sort of trying to cater to a bunch of different um people i don't i i I have trouble believing that that second category exists people that come to these games for like the story um but maybe that maybe i'm wrong i don't know I'm not as invested as I used to be, but again, in middle, like, I've been playing Sonic Adventure 2 again, and as dumb as it is, I, I was invested in it as a, as a kid. Okay, alright, I'll buy it, I'll buy it, cool. Um, well, I, I mean, I'm definitely looking forward to playing it for a bit, do you think I'll get some enjoyment out of it, just on the Switch? You know, possibly, uh, Kelsey never has, it was her first Sonic game, because she got it, because I bought it, uh, and she played it all the way through, and I was uh, very upset, because it was like, this should not be the first Sonic game you play, but she, she, she found different flaws, but overall enjoyed it all right. Yeah, this is a fun thing to play so. through. Okay, cool. 
Um, well, on that note, from one platformer that's okay um, and great if you love Sonic, or pretty good if you love Sonic, uh, to one that pretty much everybody thinks is a masterpiece, and that is Super Mario Odyssey. Mm. Um, so I got Odyssey, and I started playing it, and it is really, really fun. Um, it is not... I don't love it like people love it, at least not yet. It hasn't grabbed me in that way. And a lot of recent Marios haven't. It doesn't feel the... I don't feel the way I felt when I was playing Mario Galaxy, quite. Uh, when I was playing Mario Galaxy 1 and somewhat 2, there was just a certain something about those games that just made me want to collect and collect and collect. And in this one... I don't know. It's 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 odd. So do you do you know kind of like the way the game works? Have you have you kind of delved into it at all? Um, capture hat. <laughs> yeah, big so, open worlds to explore. Yeah, so that's the thing. It's very very different than any of the ones that I've played extensively. So even though I played every Mario game that's ever come out, I didn't play sixty four and Sun. Well, I played a lot of sixty four, but I didn't play Sunshine extensively, and I understand that was a lot more like this. Um, and then. 64 was like this, but I feel like 64 was like you went into a world and there were five different ways you could play that same level, right? Isn't that how it was? Yeah, 64 had an, a hub world that was not as in-depth, certainly, just because of system limitations. And then, yeah, you would you would go into a level and it would give you the option of different stars you could get. And I forget if it was specifically that you picked which one you wanted to go for or... Or it just would tell you hints. But yeah, you, you would play levels in different ways. I think you picked it up, yeah, and it was like it would actually change the actual geometry of the level and, and the layout, depending. Like, if you were doing the boss one, like, there'd be a boss at the top. If you weren't, there was no boss up there. Like, I really think it was that way, if I'm remembering it correctly. But either way, it was very much, like, um, finite and discrete, like, levels, even though it was a big level that you could uh, uh, interact with in multiple ways and find multiple things in each one of them was a design experience. Well, in this, it's different. Um, in this game, you start playing. Um, there's a cutscene right away. Um, you you land on this little mini place. Um, it's like Cap Land or Cappy Land, and you meet Cappy, and you like interact with that world a little bit, find a couple moons there. Um, these moons are what, power moons are what you collect in the game. I think there's one little boss in Cappy Land or whatever it's called. <laughs> um, Captonia, something like that. And then you you get this ship and you free it um and then you use that ship to fly around to different places and it's called the odyssey um it's a big top hat um it's got like these sails on the top of it and the sails are powered by <clears throat> power moons um so in order to go to each next level you need to collect a certain number of power moons and it's usually like 14 to 20 power moons on each level so there's Not a all uh, well, no, you don't have to get all of them, but there, so right, so, but there there are a lot. You, right, you need to collect about twenty per level, um, or fourteen to twenty. The first time you go there, I understand you go back to them at some point also. But each level actually has like thirty five to fifty on just in in this world, um, and then there may even be more than that. I think I've heard there's like nine hundred and forty four total or something like that. So it's insanity how many there actually are overall. But the thing about the power moons, sometimes they're just standing there. Sometimes there's just a power moon, like on top of a building, you just jump up and grab the power moon. Um, sometimes you break a block, and behind that block is a power moon, just chilling. Um, sometimes you have to do like a little mini challenge level and get it. Sometimes you do these little eight-bit levels that, like, all of a sudden you warp into like the side of a pla of a like there'll be like a raised platform, like a 3D platform that you would jump on top and run around on, um, with trees and different stuff coming out of it, like in 64 or whatever. But then. 
when you go into like this one warp pipe, it pops you out like on the side of that platform. You know what I mean? Kind of like a link between worlds. How like you yeah be, you'd yeah. Be in the 3D no, I've world. seen that in the. Uh, I played the Best Buy demo a little. Okay, bit. so you know that. Yeah. So you you basically become eight bit and you run through these levels and they're fun. Um, you and then and then what you do is you 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 go through all these different challenges collect the power moons that you need now the interesting thing is when you get to each place in order to go to the next place you need to power up the odyssey and in order to do that you need to collect like i said 14 to 18 on each level however if you collect 25 on that level it doesn't matter when you get to the next level you still need to collect whatever the limit was for that next level so what if you collect 25 when you only needed 14 it's not like you have 11 extra moons ready for you so when you get to the next level you still need 14 to 18 new moons um, so okay. it's not cumulative in that way now apparently people say in, in very like vague so as not spoil things like they say all the moons will come into you know account at some point so it's not like you're collecting them for no reason of course i kind of knew that um but it is a weird thing. it's a collect-a-thon you kind of are by the end of it if you're trying to like get everything but... exactly i mean and that is the point of course i want all 900 and whatever moons when i eventually finish the game um but I find that the unguidedness of the experience when you're on each planet and you're just sort of wandering around and trying to find stuff is a little bit less fun than a straightforward, you know, galaxy level was. Where it's like, here's what you have to accomplish to win. And then there'd be secret things you could do to, like, like get the, like the alternate moon or there'd be, like, a race aspect to it and I, it may just be that i need to play more of it so i've played about six to eight hours of the game so i haven't played like i mean it is a 40 to 50 hour game if you want to complete it it's a humongous experience apparently um but i've played like maybe eight of the 12 initial worlds like basically through no, new donk city <laughs> i've been there i've been there i visited um and it's very it's very interesting. So the thing about you capturing different creatures, and you may have expected this, Jordan, when you when you throw your hat at something, like it's very much designed that that thing is standing there for you to throw your hat at it. So much so that there are actually certain enemies that have like a special hat on their head that can't be knocked off, so that so that they're not supposed to be grabbed and taken over. So it's so what that illustrates to me is. They have a very specific use for that particular creature for you to particularly grab. So it isn't like a big sandbox in that way where it's like, oh, you can grab any creature and do anything at any time. Not really. If there's a certain thing you have to do in this area, like break blocks, then you're going to be able to grab a uh, a bullet bill and, and ride it around. If there's going to be an area where you need to like stretch like a caterpillar to get over big expanses, well, there's a caterpillar hanging out. Uh, I mean, that's like how it's designed. And it's designed well, and it's fun. Um, I just don't love love it, uh, and I really thought I was going to love love it more than I do. I really like it, and by the time I finish it, I, I'm very hesitant to say this stuff because it's been a very long time since I've played a Mario game and not been like, oh my god, I had such an amazing experience playing this. But I have to say, so far, I'm just, I like it okay, and the way people talk about it. I mean, haven't you heard, like, the hype? Yes. <laughs> and what do, you, Let I mean, me... what do you think about all this? It sounds like, so... <laughs> I don't know beyond this, but it sounds like you're mainly just collecting moons. Mm -hmm. Are there other collectibles? No. So there's moons, and there's power moons. I mean, excuse me, there's power moons, and then there's triple moons. And the triple moons, they don't. so far they don't have any difference. They just count as one moon, but they're like harder to get because there's a boss or something. But those are just story-based, so you come to the end so, of the level. So it sounds like instead of having, you know, different levels of things, like, you know, Benji-Kazooie would have... Um, 
tokens and it would have puzzle pieces and then it would have honeycombs. It sounds like they just were like, instead of having different layers of collectibles, it's all just going to be one collectible. And so you can do the easier thing to get one or you can do the harder thing, but it's all just one as opposed to having different, you know, sets of collectibles to have to get. Right. Absolutely. Um, and so the moons do feel, you're right. It does. It kind of devalues the moons a little bit. Um, yeah, I, that's interesting. Again, it's hard to say without playing it, but I can see how, um, I would think it might just be to try and make it more accessible to be able to get easier moons if you just are trying to get through it. But I mean, I don't know. I haven't played it. The easiness doesn't bother me. It's, it's just that the overall gameplay isn't grabbing me enough. I just don't feel like I'm having an amazing time playing it. And, and again, it may have just been, you know, games are very mood based, so I don't want to write, write it off and say that it's not fun. It's certainly fun. And if you want to ask any of the 99 of a hundred other people that have played it, um, they're going to tell you it's an amazing game, and it is really, really solid. And the decisions they make are really, really solid. Um, and you know, the gameplay is tight as could be. Um, but other things that are weird, it's like you go to New Donk City, and the people. I, I had an issue with this when I saw the trailer, and I was like, "There's got to be a way they make it make sense when you get there." But it's it's almost like you get to New Donk City, and it's like, okay, so there are these people. They look just like you saw them in the trailer. One of them doesn't have a hat on, but all the other ones do. So the only one you can capture is the guy that's like controlling a little remote control car. So you throw a hat on top of him, and then you get to control this guy, but you don't move him. You move the car that he's got a remote in his hand for. And that's it. And that's really all the interactivity that there is in New Donk City when it comes to the people. So you basically just go there and do more platforming challenges, and it just happens to have a more realistic look to it. No explanation for why they look like people and you look like Mario. Right. Um, and that's fine, I guess. It's just a free-for-all. And I guess what, what it feels like is, like, that level in particular culminates, and it's not a spoiler, you've seen clips of it, it culminates in, like, a celebration for New New Donk City's, like, anniversary. And basically, at one point, you go around and you collect, like, like musicians, and, every, and you just basically walk up to them and hit A. And they're like, hey, thanks for finding me. Um, here's a moon. And uh, why don't I come out and play at this anniversary party? You collect all four, then you're at the anniversary party, um, this woman Francine is singing to me it kind of looks like an evil dictatorship in a weird way um even though it's supposed to be great and her pictures everywhere and I thought they were going to go like with this whole propaganda angle but maybe I was overthinking it in fact I was definitely overthinking it um but then she's singing and there's all these banners of her and Mario and she's celebrating there's a song about jump 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 and stuff and then you get into a 2D level and you just jump around while they're all playing music for you and I can see why when people play this and love Mario much like I love Mario they they're just thinking oh my god it's this saccharine love fest it's a celebration of all the beautiful things that are mario and and they get really lost in this nostalgia of it and to me i'm just thinking this is just it's okay it's just not it's i don't know maybe my expectations were too high i I don't know what it is so we'll see and and again i don't want to say i don't like it like it's an eight five right now you know it's a really fun game it just isn't blowing my mind the way breath of the wild did um, Breath mm-hmm. of the Wild is 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 an absolute masterpiece front to back. This game, I don't know. I got to play more of it because when I really start getting into the harder stuff, which I know is coming, when you start getting like going back to planets and getting more difficult moons, I think that stuff may really it, you know inspire me more to be really into the game. And when I get into that collection aspect of finding every one, and there are ways to do it. Like there's this little dude named Talkatu who hangs out on the planets. He's like a little you know bird, 
and he tells you where a moon is. You can use an amiibo and send them out on a mission to get a moon, but all it really does is just label your map with a moon location. And then you go over to that location and, and you know, try to find whatever moon is over there. Um, and they're everywhere. I mean, they're under every little crevice and around every little corner. I mean, there's 944 moons on 12 planets, so you can imagine they're every fucking where. Right. Um, but I mean, it's 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 a really fun game, but it just it, it just doesn't have that 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 amazing magic that that I guess I was expecting. So we'll see. I need to play more of it, so I'll check back in when we get to game of the year. I think. Gotcha. Okay. And what do you got next for us? Next up, um, I'll do a few quicks just because okay. to get them out of the way. Because uh, I've I've tried a lot of small things, I just haven't put much time into any of them. Um. Let's see. So I did pick up Pokemon Ultra Moon. Oh, good. Um, which I am enjoying a lot. It is, uh, as I, was, I said this on Twitter, but it is more third version than full sequel, which is a bummer. Yeah. Um, I kind of should have expected that just based on the trailers, but I was hopeful. But it does just sort of, you, you go back through the same story. Uh, it's just that there are differences. It does introduce the Ultra Recon squad early on, and this idea that they're from beyond the wormholes that were a big deal in the first game. And so they keep popping up. I've heard the bigger differences come about 80% of the way through, where the plot takes like a left turn. A lot more starts to happen that's different from the first version of the game. Um, But yeah, so far it's just that there are more Pokemon, there are slight differences to the trials and the story. Um, For the better? Is any of it like... Better and different. I, it's too. hard to say. It feels different. There are definitely more side quests of people asking you to show them stuff or bring them things. There's more of the like little narrative movies that played. Or it's weird to say a movie, but just like more more weird narrative scenes with the island inhabitants. Um, so so there's definitely it's a sense of a deeper game. Uh, it's just so far there hasn't been anything that really sets it apart from the first version. Uh, well, they added the surfing mini game, which is pretty fun to get is from it? island to island. Yeah. Okay. Um, but yeah, on the whole, it is very similar. But it's still Pokemon. I still enjoy playing it. I just haven't gotten that far because I'm I'm trying to get through what is essentially content I just played a year ago. Yeah, that's the thing that I'm having a lot of trouble with. Is 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 it something that you should just wait longer to play? Is that the idea? I don't understand why they're releasing. It's so similar, and I guess. I guess it's I, I don't know I just thought it was going to be more different. So you, it's basically well, the exact same game. You, I mean, you play you play the same islands. It's the same story. Your mom just moved there. This professor is going to take you around like the same exact thing, and it just goes in a different direction near the end, and that's it, right? Yeah, yeah, that's weird. That's to what me. they've. I mean, but that's the thing that is uh, before the before black and white. That is what they did. Yeah, that was yellow version, crystal version, platinum version emerald version it added a few more it would usually introduce a couple more legendary pokemon but i mean that was it would change up which pokemon showed up where between the other two versions but really that is what the the third version did back in the day it was like an update i just thought because i remember when i got pokemon yellow back in the day and I, I, for me, it was just like, that's the version of the game I got because it's like, I almost felt like that felt like, okay, well, you know, yellow's out now. So forget red and blue, get yellow. In um, complete fairness, yellow, cause technically what we got with red and blue was the updated version that Japan got. I mean, the, the ink, because it came out two years later, we got a significantly updated version. When we got that third version, it was basically just people over here really love the anime um, so we're going to do a version that is more like the anime. Okay. Okay. So that was different than maybe the other third versions they've had since then. 
Yeah. For that reason. Okay. Well, so so I'm trying to understand. Okay, so here's me. I finally got into Pokemon. I'm really pumped about that fact. Loved Pokemon Moon. Had You know how much fun. It was my game of the year last year. Years two, if I remember correctly. I um, believe so. Yeah, I think it was. I think it was. I, mean, cause I remember you were trying to like hem and haw about it and try to make it a surprise, and you were like, fuck it. It's Pokemon. Um, I remember that. You saying that in the hotel when we were at uh, MAGFest. But anyway, unless it was about a different award, but I think it was that award. But anyway, I don't even remember. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was it was a wild and crazy night at Magfest. Um, but um, my it's on tape though, so we got, we got yeah it, we got it for all posterity. Um, the I played it. I played it to the point where, and I you know even though it's my first full Pokemon game that I played through, I actually decided I'm going to finish the Pokedex. So I completed that fucking Pokedex. I traded with Tim. I did everything you have to do to play that game to the absolute freaking maximum. Um, and so I have every Pokemon in it, every one, from both versions. Um, what is there going to be for a person like me to go and play this game? Um, more Pokemon at the end, more in the Pokedex to begin with. Um, so the Pokedex is bigger. The Pokedex is bigger. Um, there is the ability to catch a lot more legendaries from past games. Uh, it really does come down to in-game content. It's a lot of stuff with going through ultra wormholes. It's, you know, fighting team rainbow rocket. It's stuff that won't come up until the very end that of the game. That seems like a lot to play through. Yeah. And that's why you're having a slow go of it. And I don't blame you. Yeah. I mean, it's how they used to be. And honestly, I was never big on third versions unless it was a game that I hadn't actually played. Like, I never played Crystal or Emerald. Um, but I played Platinum because Diamond and Pearl didn't really grab me. And then I played Black 2, White 2 because those were actual Honest to God sequels. Right. So this um, is so this is kind of new territory for you, um, playing an actual third version of a game that you just played. Yeah, but again, one that is supposed to be a little more significant. It's just I have to get there. I see. Well, that'll be interesting to hear when you get when you do get to that point to hear what your thoughts are on the end game of it. And I hope that you tell me it's awesome. Um, I really yeah. do. I do too. Oh yeah. Um, okay. So I have a question for you, or a, or a topic for you. So um, I'm going to talk about one of my games now, just to, to butt in because it's Pokemon. So as you know, because I was asking for recommendations one day, um, I picked up Pokemon White, and so after playing Moon and loving it last year, and then this being basically another, and being kind of excited to play another one this year, and then realizing that Ultra Moon is basically Moon. <laughs> until the end, I want to play something new. And for me, I have the whole library of Pokemon experiences to still have. So that's awesome. So I picked up White on everybody. I mean, I've heard from a lot of people it's the most story-based. I've heard from you it's by far your favorite. Um, yes. And so I was like, i got to get into this. But I'm having trouble. Not because I don't like it, although I almost want to go so far as that I don't like it, because <laughs> it's so old. It feels like such a step backwards. I understand that, like, for sprites, it's the prettiest the sprites have ever been. I get that. But it is, it feels really rudimentary going from Pokemon Moon to that game. And, I, and I'm wondering, I'm hoping the game is going to give me enough to make me like it anyway. But what is, like, going to be the grip in that game? So let me tell you where I am. I am, I just finished the first gym. Um, and so far there's been, like, five accessible Pokemon. There's, like, almost no Pokemon yet. Um, it's like, I've got like that, that cat per Perval or whatever I've got Perloin. Perloin. I've got, um, Petrat, the pat, the rat I've got, um, I, I picked Tepig. I hope I did the right thing. Um, did I, or did you pick Asha? Oh, I, I mean, I picked Snivy, but oh. that that's cause Snivy was the coolest at the time. And then I picked 
Oshawott because Oshawott became my favorite because of the anime. Ah. <laughs> so I I might I probably picked Tepig at some point. I played three times, so Oh wow. Wow, okay. So so the mechanics though are very different. Um so as I play it, uh there's no XP share. So no. which is a huge, huge roadblock. Um <laughs> because Every single guy has to be leveled up, and it takes forever to switch in Pokemon into battles. I mean, that just feels so slow. Is there any way to speed that up? Is there any way to speed up the process of leveling? And when is this I mean, game going to really take can... off? Go ahead. I mean, the first thing I'll say is it just might not be for you. A lot of people can't go back to the old... I'm bad about it. I can't go before Gen 5 because the Gen 4 games are so slow. Um, I mean, your best option would be to turn off all battle animations, and that would speed things up. Okay, so I can do that um, right right now. Yeah. Uh, you, honestly, the XP share thing, that might be make or break. Because, um, yeah, you, you have to level up your Pokemon. It, um, You know, when Gen 6 introduced that, they decided to introduce a way to just straight up break the game uh, to make it more accessible. And, you know, they kept that with Gen 7. Why, uh, you know, why does EX... that break the game? Like, what what is break? What breaks it about that? I mean, the XP share makes it so that you are going to very easily be over leveled for just about everything in the game. Um, I think XY probably or um, Sun Moon probably balanced it a little better, but like it was definitely the issue in XY where you'd walk into a gym and be you know five to ten levels above it. I see. Um, and it's just easier. I mean, it's just there's. Which isn't to say I get the desire to take out some of the grinding, because I do think the earlier games can be a little grindy. I think the fifth was the best at the point that it came out. But, uh, yeah, I mean, the EXP share just basically is like, you're leveling shit up like six times faster. So, <laughs> here obviously it's going to be a step back going before that. Uh, right. Um, well, I just but have I'm... always felt it it unbalances the game to the point where it's like, like, even, even playing Sun and Moon, it's always like, well, I don't have to... Like, once I've caught all the Pokemon in an area, it's like, well, I just run away from wild fights because I'm already super leveled from just catching stuff. Okay, so so what should I do instead, then? What is the... I'm, I'm, I really want to fight through this, because you say the story's awesome, right? I mean, I think so. It's it's been, a, it's been a hot second, and I mean, awesome should be categorized for a Pokemon game compared to the fairly minimal narratives the others have, but yeah... Uh, but I mean, like, you really got into, like, what, what were the aspects of it? Is it the towns? Is it the characters? Is it Getsis? Is I it... like the towns. A big part of it was I enjoyed the fact that it fully limits you to the Gen 5 Pokemon in black like and white until you get to the post-game. I like that, too. Um, I like, yeah, I like the villains. I like N. I love the, like, I think black and white has the best soundtrack of the whole series. Um... I just, on the whole, I really like the aesthetic, I like the Pokemon, I like the settings. Um, yeah, I just, I, I love it for all those reasons. It's just a really good Pokemon experience, like core essential Pokemon experience, as opposed yes. to the new, much easier, watered-down version. Yeah, and I mean, again, it is an option that is technically there if you want it, you can turn it off. Um, but again, I don't I don't think of Pokemon as a game I play for challenge anyway, so it's I've always just been fine with it. Um but it does make it does make it so that you can just kind of blitz through them a lot faster. So tell me, what do I do? What is the strategy then for making this game go quicker for me? So like I'm just running, I'm just walking through. All my guys feel under leveled. I basically have a Tepig that's 14 or 15, and all my other dudes are like seven and eight. Does it mean that like in each new area you just need to catch new stuff to replace your old stuff with, or should I be leveling old stuff up as I go? I mean, 
I mean, end of the day, even when even if you catch the highest level Pokemon you can in an area, it's still not going to be at gym level. So you you just need to, you need you still need to level stuff. But it yeah, I mean, it comes down to going out in the wild grass, um, prioritizing which Pokemon you fight trainers with since they give more experience. Um, and yeah, it's just it's leveling. I mean, the grind was a part of Pokemon back in the day. <laughs> So what I need to do is, when I fight every one of the trainers out there, make sure that I rotate in all of my characters, or does it share the the XP that? Yeah, way? don't 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 do that because <laughs> okay. that that splits it up. It's not like like the 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 way it works in the more modern ones is you know you you split it and they get fifty percent of the total. Back then it was like you could divide it up to six ways. Got it. Um, or I forget the exact algorithm, but it was different. Okay. Um, you were maximizing it by just starting with them and then switching or just trying to have them fight it out. Or, I mean, you know, if your Pokemon gets knocked out and the enemy's at a low HP, switch switch in someone who can maybe get a hit in and kill them. Okay. Okay. So, um, so basically try to level up, like, one at a time along with your starter? Yeah. I mean, like, bottom line is, I, there, it is, it is going to just, it's, it's a slower process. Like, the XP share is just uncomparable in the earlier games. Okay. Because, right. I mean, again, the XP share in Black, White, and before was just whoever's holding it gets half the experience that the fighting Pokemon does. That's all it did back then. When is that coming, by the way? Oh, I could <laughs> I have no idea. But, I mean, is it way deep in the game? I. It's been seven years. I have no okay. idea. Okay. But you don't like, remember I can relying look it up. on that. You don't remember relying on that heavily, though. I mean, I never used the thing anyway because it was pretty shitty back then. <laughs> Ah, okay, all right, interesting. Well, I just need to figure out strategies because I just feel like I don't know what I'm doing. I feel really in the weeds on this game. Um, and then the the graphics, and then he walks really slow, and then I'm going to need to have like a, a TM slave or an HM slave, right? Or do I not need to do that? No, yeah, HMs were still a thing until Gen six. 7. Oh. Yeah, no, Gen 6 still had HMs. So do you want to, um, is a slave the best, that's the bad way to put it, but is is that the best way that's to do it? That is the fan term for it. But yes, okay. uh, if you're if you're just going to do it, some some of the HM moves are viable. I mean, surf is a good move. Um, fly is not bad, but yeah, stuff like cut and I forget if flash was still an HM in black and white, but stuff like that was, you know, they're moves that one of your Pokemon's just going to be stuck with. Okay, but did you spread yours out or put them all on one? Um, you know, it, it varied game to game. I would usually just like, who do I have in my party, who can use it, and I just took, bit the bullet yeah. and gave it to them. I see, and just only had three moves. Now, also, I remember when I was playing this one, and I asked you for advice when I was playing Moon, and I was like, what what moves should I prioritize? Should I get these status effect moves? And your advice to me was, in this game, it really doesn't matter. Like, just just get all attack moves. You're not going to need status effects for this kind of shit. Um, is that not true anymore in white? I still overall have never found them. Like, in the campaign, they are not as essential. They are helpful. Like, if you can poison someone or you can put them to sleep, um, it'll, I mean, it'll give you free hits. It gives you free damage. I mean more like the ones that, like, uh, tail whip and shit like that, that, like, make their defense or attack go down. Yeah, I mean, moving, downing their defense is always going to be helpful, but I've never, I still have never found it super necessary. Okay. So you don't usually, like, focus on that. You focus on the aggressive skills. No, that sort of stuff tends to be if you're going to be competitive. Okay, got it, got it. 
Word. Well, I'm going to give it more time. I really want to get into it because it's not just you that I've heard say that, like, if you want a story-based Pokemon RPG game, like White and White 2 or Black and Black 2 are where it's at. So, yeah. I'm going to give it some more uh, give it some more juice and uh, see if I... And if you think of any good tips, man, please send them my way because I need help. This game I mean, is... yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll try to think. It's just, it's, it's you know, I... It's hard to remember. It has been a minute since I played it. Um, because I would have last played Black 2, White 2 when X and Y came out. So it's right. been at least four years. And I remember having a lot of fun with them, and I was playing them concurrently, so. Right, right. Oh, oh, wait. Um, oh, one right after another, you mean? No, no, I mean, I was still playing Black 2 while playing XY. Oh, okay. Okay, cool. Very cool. Pretty sure. It's okay. been a while. Yeah, yeah. All right, word. Um, what else you got on your, on your small games list? Um, no, when I ended up being pretty big. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, I've I've played a little bit of Kingdom Hearts 2.8, which basically means I've played Kingdom Hearts Dream Drop Distance. <laughs> uh, How much? It definitely not much. I've finished the first world. Okay. Um. So Traverse Town. <laughs> okay. Again. Right. Again. Uh, with the world ends with you characters, which is pretty cool. Um. That but. Is cool. Uh, I will say, it definitely feels easier and less just. I don't know. I did not enjoy Dream Drop Distance, and I did not get very far into it on the 3DS. Mm-hmm. I know this one has been as far like this HD port toned down the difficulty and made a lot of things less frustrating. Right. So I seem to be noticing that so far. Um, it's still a weird one where you have to because it has a very annoying feature where when time runs out, you're automatically forced to switch between Sora and Riku. That's really um, odd. Yeah, which can happen in the middle of a boss fight and negate your progress. <laughs> um, it still does, huh? Yes. Oh my. Yo, God. the drop meter's still there. That that they did not get rid of that. No, but well, that's the whole point, right? But the whole game is designed around it. But but no, but I mean, still they do the thing where you can like, couldn't they just like pause that 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 thing when you're in a boss battle? Uh, you would think. Like that'd be the one thing they should change. So you can so you, your whole progress stops, and then what? Your Riku fighting the boss battle again. Well, yeah, yeah, your Riku, like, if you're in the middle of a fight as Sora and you switch to Riku, you just progress as Riku, and whenever you switch back, you you go back to the boss fight as Sora. Um, from the beginning of the boss fight again, though. Yeah. That's weird! Why does yeah. it reset the boss fight? Why don't you continue it where you left off? I, I don't know. <laughs> and how much time know. do you have between drops? I mean, it is significant. It, I mean, it's not, like, five minutes. I think it's, like, ten to fifteen minutes of time. But it is a matter of just you you have to be aware of that, and sometimes if the boss fight goes longer than you think, it can be frustrating. Oh, man. That's um, silly. Okay. That I had it happen with the first boss probably shows that. Wow. So you um, – but then you beat him. Yeah. The other weird thing is because you don't have party members, you instead – because the enemy unit in this one, instead of Heartless or um, – Nobody's is the dream eaters because the premise for this one is you're you're exploring sleeping worlds. So there are dream eaters and there's good eater dream eaters and there's bad dream eaters. And so you can create dream eaters as like Pokemon that join mm, your party and yeah. fight with them. Which means a whole bunch of grinding and leveling. Uh you know, I don't know how integral they will be by the end, but we'll see. I, I just have to get back to playing it some more, but because I've still it's still pretty recently that I played a lot of kingdom hearts yeah you sure did you you played especially two i was comparing uh your i saw that you had played 1.8 a little bit and i was like okay and then i looked at your 
whatever two whatever the other one is one point five. Plus uh, 2.5 remix. Right, 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 right. I looked at your progress on that, and I saw that, man, you played so much more of Kingdom Hearts 2 than any other game there. Yeah, uh, Kingdom Hearts 2 is very good. Um, so, yeah, just because I played so much of that, um, I'm about halfway through Birth by Sleep. I was more playing... Um, uh, dr- I-, I wanted to try Dream Drop because I wanted to get back to Sora and Riku... I, I di- I've enjoyed Birth by Sleep, but the way that the campaign is set up that you have to basically separately go through it three times is a little exhausting. Yeah, yeah, that is... Um, I, I can see why that would be uh, not ideal. Especially since the worlds aren't that exciting. Right, right. Oh, well. Um, anyway. I think it's a little better in this one. Uh, I, I like that I'm visiting uh, the Hunchback of Notre Dame, and I know I have Tron Legacy to look forward to. And while I'm not a big Tron fan... I do like the Tron world in Kingdom Hearts too. I, I love the idea of, of, of the worlds. I mean, so does everybody, right? But man, I when do we know when we're getting Kingdom Hearts three yet? Did they say twenty eighteen? They did say twenty eighteen. Wow. I hope so so basically twenty eighteen or twenty nineteen, yeah. right? That's gonna be exciting. So, I'm gonna be you imagine how fever pitch pumped we're gonna be when that time comes, as much as we've been jamming out on Kingdom Hearts. No, definitely. We had multiple I mean, episodes that were like basically Kingdom Hearts episodes. It got that hardcore. The only other things on the 2.8 collection are a weird, super far back prequel movie, and I think an hour long, like Aqua. proof of concept for Kingdom Hearts three. So, which is, but but I, what I hear is that it shows you how awesome the combat's going to be. I believe it. I, I the only reason I just kind of want to save that till I finish everything else. Right. Well, that makes sense. Uh, which I'm not too far from doing. I just once I feel Kingdom Hearts again, I'll get back to playing it. All right, all right. Um, what else is on the little mini list? Two more quick, quick ones. Uh, I started Watch Dogs two, <laughs> and I, I definitely mean just started. I played the prologue mission. Me too. Few games have been more immediately unappealing than the opening to Watch Dogs two. I have to completely agree. <laughs> they I... make the main character and his team that he joins seem so <laughs> douchey that so I don't. Bad. Like, let's open up with them all getting drunk on a beach and raging against the man. And I'm not even saying you shouldn't rage against the man, but they come across as, like, such college burnout raging against the man with their dialogue there that it just... It's so unappealing. And the combat, at least early on, and the and the and like when you're taking out those first guys around those trucks, when you have none of your abilities and it doesn't explain shit to you, and the checkpoints are incredibly far stretched out... It's just really unfriendly, the beginning. Now, I understand it gets really good, or people say it gets very, you know, in-depth. So far, though, when I, I only played, like, the first hour like you did. And I was like, ooh, ah, I feel the same way as you, man. Like, exactly. Yeah, I mean, and it's not even, like, had I bought the game, just the game, I'd have, of course, played further, but I bought it on Black Friday with, like, four other things. Right. So, right. It, it just, it just, I, I will go back to it, but I'm not dying for it. Certainly not. Certainly not. Um, and you know, yeah. Similar vein. Uh, Neo. I played the first mission. So did or I. So of that. So did I. Um, and yeah, it's uh, it's definitely a a um a Dark Souls clone. <laughs> it is exactly. I, I thought it was going to be much different. Like I really thought, especially because it has the um, episodic structure and, and and all the stances and all that kind of stuff. I just thought it was going to be a lot more unique i thought it was going to be dark souls-esque kind of like the surge looks but like bring really new ideas to it and while i know that that it does do that it's very dark souls and very it opens 
Like, it opens almost, I swear, like Dark Souls. You're in prison, and you have I to break know. out and get your stuff back. And it teaches you about the uh, bonfires, which are, I think, like, ablution stations in this one. Yeah, they're, they're yeah, absolution. Or prayer, prayer, prayer sites or whatever. Yeah. Um, and then you go through, and you fight dudes, and... Uh, I don't know about the leveling. I did play through like the tutorial in the samurai's garden looking thing, and that was cool and taught you about the the stances. So that was interesting. It does seem to vary stuff. Yeah, it seems like it's going to be good. But I, when I started playing it, I was like, I am not mentally prepared for how hard this is right now. Like you have yeah. to be ready for how fucking hard it is. That first boss battle is fucking hard. Um, and until you learn, I don't know if it was for you, but it was for me. Um, and I was like, dude, this is the prologue mission, and this boss is hard as balls. Like, I just, need... huh? I, I mean, just from having played a lot of Dark Souls three and Bloodborne recently, I, I I did get through it without too much trouble. But yeah, it it it, it feels like that. That that's the thing. It, it my my skills transferred right over it. Well, that's like. good. I mean, that's a positive. Um, honestly, I, I really did get it just because it was so cheap physically. But it was like, I wish I had someone to play this with. Um. Oh, like to watch you play it? No, no, no. Like to co-op. There oh. is a co-op. Oh, there is setup. Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Well, that's kind of cool. I didn't know co-op was super good in those kind of games. Uh, no. I mean, I don't know how exactly it works in Neo. I think it's easier with the mission structure. It's super fiddly in Dark Souls and Bloodborne, but it is there. I mean, that's how Adam and I, um, our friend, my friend Adam and I played Dark Souls Three was together. But you like. You have to put your so symbol down and have the same password, and then you automatically disappear when you beat a boss. So you have to redo that. Ugh. It's it is fiddly, but you you get used to it, and it is fun enough that it was worth it. I can, we completely forgot to mention it when we were talking about the game awards, but there was a possible Bloodborne two teaser. Yes, I saw. I did. Yeah, they they did have that. Um, um, so that's that's I don't know what to make of it yet. Um, but it's probably it was Bloodborne very vague. Too. It's probably Bloodborne two. Yeah. Um, um, unless they want to start some third franchise. Yeah. But that's cool. Bloodborne is beloved. I'm surprised you haven't played more of it, honestly. But then again, you can only play so much of those kind of games until you need something else. Gotcha. Um, alrighty. So, uh, anything else on your list? Let me talk about a couple little little ones. Yeah, um, go for let's it. Let's see what I have here on the list. Uh, where are you? Uh, where are my notes at? That's weird. Let's see here. Uh, okay, I got it. Um, let's see. Okay, Pokemon White. Um, I was going to talk a little bit about Destiny Curse of Osiris, but um, I really went into that enough, and I've talked plenty about uh, Destiny. Um, I'm planning on jumping into the new raid lair. It's this new, like, small mini raid um, that is, like, you know, basically the problem with Destiny has always been there's not enough content. That problem continues. Um, the most recent expansion of Destiny Curse of Osiris got a 5.5 on IGN out of 10, and that's about right. Um, so that's kind of what I'll say about that. I've been playing it a little more. Um, mm -hmm. And then this is the really awesome one, um, Horizon Zero Dawn. Um, so after playing um, Assassin's Creed Origins, which I'll talk about in a moment, um, I played Horizon Zero Dawn. I finally got back to it and started playing it. Holy shit, that game is awesome. I mean, you know everybody raves about that game, like how amazing it is, how it's like maybe rivals Breath of the Wild for like game of the year. So I really want to have played that game before we talk game of the year. And not only that... But Origins like really put me back in the mood. So once Destiny fell off in terms of like there's nothing left to do, that was the point at which I was like, you know what, I really want um, 
to play something else. So I picked up Origins and played that. And then after I was done playing Origins, what I really wanted to do was more games like that. It was actually the first time I've played an Assassin's Creed game, in fact, where I actually would have played another Assassin's Creed game right after it, which says a lot. Um, It didn't feel like that same burnout that you often get. But because Mm -hmm. of that, um, Horizon Zero Dawn really fit the bill because that game um, is very similar. Um, It's a similar kind of thing um, to, like, the Assassin's Creed games. Um, It's really fun because the bow feels really good and you take out these motorized monsters and they're really fun to kill. There's, like, weapons to pick up that have, like, special buffs and bonuses. So it kind of combines... It's kind of like the blueprint for Assassin's Creed Origins in a way where it combines like what Assassin's Creed used to be and Far Cry used to be, or Far Cry 2 and onwards, Far Cry 3 and onwards, I should really say, with crafting and with, um, um, you know, having like weapons of different quality levels, like, you know, rare and legendary items and stuff like that. So there are bows you can find at random and little like loot boxes. And when you open them, they open up and they can have like really cool gear in them. And adding that on top of a great cinematic story, on top of... Um, this beautiful open world that's beautifully realized. I mean, these are the developers who made um, uh, Killzone. And, you know, Killzone was always a game that was way more beautiful than it was fun to play, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it was way more ambitious than it was good, <laughs> in a way. Um, and, and so this is kind of like, finally, they found a way. Like, I don't know, their talents just meshed, or they had a better game director, or something happened with this game, where I can just tell I'm going to love every bit of it. And, in fact, that's probably what I'll end up doing tonight. Um, in my free time is playing some uh, some more Horizon. So that game is super fun. Is that on your list? Uh, yeah, I've been playing Horizon. Oh, really? Yeah, I picked it up on Black Friday. Oh, I didn't know that. So yeah, it was it... only it was only twenty bucks. So so how's it going? I'm not super far in. I just got past what I felt was the the prologue area, and now I'm free to kind of explore the bigger world and start doing side quests and stuff. But it's an immediately gripping game. It um, is. It's cinematically gorgeous. It it imbues everything with a lot of depth. It's willing to throw like some surprisingly effective narrative curveballs. Where like right when you're, there's the whole premise of uh, there's this premise of her having to like earn her way back into the tribe, and it seems to be setting up these rivalries and these other these other characters that you know she's probably gonna have to grow closer to. And then it takes things in a completely different direction, and it was a very interesting turn. Wait, did you um, wait? Have you got, you've done the proving? Yes. Oh, I haven't gotten that far yet. So okay. I went out and did I, what I did is I went out and got um, did all the little side quests leading up to the the that night mission that Ross wants to take me on to teach me one more thing before the proving. Like mm-hmm. at that point, you can go out and do side quests and collect a bunch of stuff. So that's what I did. Um, so gotcha. I've actually I was, go ahead. Oh well, I was unaware of that. Yeah, so I actually played like six hours of the game, even though I didn't do the proving yet. Um, but yeah, no, I'm really – that's the thing that they say about this game. Like the reviews, they're like, dude, you, you you think the game's over and then like there's a new twist and all of a sudden it goes eight more hours in another direction. Like just really cool narrative stuff that you don't expect in a game like this. Yeah, um, I'm immediately engaged. I've enjoyed um... – I've enjoyed the narrative and the visuals and a lot. The combat, I still feel like I'm getting used to. Yeah. If only because I, you definitely feel way more limited early on when you just have the bow, and it's like you very specifically have to like hit its eye or, or run up and like knock it down, and so it, it feels more, um, a little more restricted than when you start getting stuff like the bowcaster and can set traps and whatnot. Right, and and more of a stealth vibe. Um, well, there's certain abilities too as you unlock them that really like change things around. So you know when you can when you can sneak up on all those enemies and just kill them in one hit, for example, those watchers. That's a yeah. big bonus. 
Um, and when you can do a critical hit with R2 on those guys that takes their health down to almost nothing. So it's like basically a two-hit kill even when they do see you. Like it just starts to change the tide of battle really quickly. And I love a game that gives me abilities that feel really consequential. I love that. I real like that's the thing that a lot of games don't have that really bums me out. And two games that I really like that I don't love for those reasons in part were the original Wolf well Wolfenstein the the a new order or whatever it's what is it called the one that the new order loves, the new order um and um, 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 um what's the other one um that that is like that that doesn't have oh yeah uh wildlands um both i mean one once you get like the thing where you can auto shoot like four dudes at the same time with like you know your your crew aside from that none of the power-ups feel really meaningful in that game and wolfenstein's the same way now wolfenstein i just was looking at it wrong that's not the kind of game it is um, and unfortunately, I had played the previous Wolfenstein reboot, the other reboot. Um, the very different one, yeah, that just kind of gets forgotten about. Right, but it's actually really good. Um, and it's very much a... It's from it's in the line of games like the, that Thief game that got remade. And um, it's a lot like... Um, um, dishonor those kind of games where you know you're 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 kind of you know shooting and stealthing and having fun and then leveling up a skill tree basically um and so that was what i was kind of looking for wolfenstein to be and it wasn't at the time and, and so that's one thing i just really like in a game is when it when it offers me like compelling level ups and and and, and skills that i'm dying to get as opposed to just like oh i guess that does a little more damage yeah um it, yeah, I've never found the, the, the upgrades in Wolfenstein to be that impactful. Yeah. They're more just rewards for doing things, and they help kind of teach you different ways to play the game. Okay. What? And I think once yeah. you, you have your style, a lot of the other rewards don't matter because you typically don't play that way. <laughs> right, right. Well, that's it. You know, and, and again, though, that game lives and dies on its amazing story and world building, and I didn't get far enough. You know, a lot of people say about that game that, like, it's a slow burn in the beginning, but once you get into it, it's amazing. I never got that far, and that's the problem. Right. So, and that's, yeah, anyway. Okay. Um, but uh, but that's, uh, do you have any other thoughts on Horizon? Um, nothing so far. I just want to get further in it. I think it's weird that it's... <laughs> That it it constantly chirps at me from my controller. I kind of dig it though. No, I mean it's I, no I, I I it's just it's bizarre because none of the other PS4 games I've played have really used that feature and it's so frequent that it's I it, it's just it's weird. Well, every bow shot has a twing and uh, and everything that happens pretty much like has like a sound to it. I mean, again, that developer in particular is big on. In utilizing the PS4's features. Like, they are... I mean, those games, they are a first-party developer, pretty much. I mean, they're not, but they are. Um, you know, the Killzone games were, like, basically first... They're as close to first-party as you can get. I guess you could call it second-party. I think that's what people call it. Um, when they're a developer who has an identity, it's not just Sony Online Entertainment, but at the same time, it, it's basically Sony pays the whole bill for that, and they're made to be system sellers. Um, and that is the kind of games those have always been, and oftentimes they're, part of their design document is show how beautiful the PS4 is. Show the cool features of the of the DualShock, you know? Um, and I think that's that's probably why you get more of that, although I think it's effectively used. It may, weird as it may feel. Mm-hmm. Um, word. So what, uh, do you have any other, um, what, do you have a big game we can talk about? Uh, I'm getting there. Okay. <laughs> I just okay. have two more quick ones. Okay. Uh, Kind of coming off what you said, I've been playing Wolfenstein 2, but not too much of it. Um, it is a very immediate emotional gut punch, which continues from the first game being a surprisingly deep character study. Um, 
and then having a lot of emotional depth to it. They really hit strong with that in the second one right away. Mm-hmm. Um, picks up from the first game, you know, reestablishes events, and it's off to a really good start. I just haven't played more of it. Um, the the with... hype on that game, man. Woo! No, I mean, it, it was. I was su- surprised that it was on sale as deep as it was for Black Friday, only three weeks after it had come out. I mean, it's doing really um, well in the reviews, yeah. Uh, so that's been a lot of fun. Uh, so I only have two more games. The one is a game that... So I, you may recall that we, I had been playing Resident Evil 5 through with uh, our former co-host Kelsey because uh-huh. we wanted a co-op game. Resident Evil 5 was a really fun one. Right. You guys were all about you know, it. Done... And, we, and we joked a little bit about maybe you picking up 6. Uh, yeah, so we did everything in Resident Evil 5. Um, not on Black Friday, it was a few weeks before that, Resident Evil 6 was on sale for... Or no, actually, maybe it was Black Friday. I can't even recall now. Uh, it was on sale for 8 bucks. Wow. I should have picked so, that up. So I was like, you know what? Fine, let's let's do it. I bought Resident Evil 6 so that we could play Resident Evil 6, and we've now played about, um... I'm trying to think. 200, four, 200 five. Oh. Yeah. About five of the chapters. I think we've played through three of Chris's five chapters and two of... No, three of Leon's. Yeah, so we're getting there on it. Um, just having having revisited it after five years. Because I never finished Resident Evil 6. So part of me has always been like, maybe I should go back and finish it. Uh, hell yeah. Um, it's a masterpiece. Uh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> the year it came out, I, I did say it was the worst game of that year. Um, and, you know, revisiting it now, I just, I have to stand by that opinion. Whoa! Uh, it is, honestly, it's worse than I remembered. It's a broken, terrible mess with a lot of cheap hits and poorly conceived mechanics and moments throughout it. Um, it was really a case where we I was like, benefit of the doubt, let me keep trying. And then somehow it just keeps, like, the, the most recent chapter we played was possibly the worst thing it's done yet it has a lot of things that just don't work together it throws you into slow-mo moments where you're supposed to think fast but it doesn't care that your gun wasn't loaded and then the checkpoint will be right back there so you have to like try and just like ace it and there's so much that just does not gel with that game it is a very bad game that is just ruinous to the franchise i can't believe it's that why yeah i see why it took five years to get another one and why they had to essentially just completely overhaul everything and be like don't even think about that terrible game we put out but there's so much content yes but it's terrible content. there's so much gameplay and the shooting feels great no no! The shooting's terrible! There's no impact! The enemies barely react to getting shot. They'll do things and leap across and cut through and clipping, and it's just terrible! This is not the game that I remember. I- I'm gonna have to play it again, because this does not sound familiar. I remember the gameplay being really fun and there being lots of it, so that feels weird to me. It just does not stand up having just played Resident Evil 5 or any shooter. It doesn't stand up to, to test the test of time. It looks all right but also pretty bad and dark and it just kind of hides a lot of the pro- the the um what sort i'm looking for the the rough edges behind like layers of darkness what about all it's... the leveling you get to do and all the weapon upgrades and all that shit that's kind of back from there's four. No, almost none of that it's not even like it's there but you have to play through these unnecessarily long hour plus long missions to maybe be able to afford to buy one of the upgrades that barely does anything i mean it seems like a game (laughs) that is built around you wanting to replay it 
but there is nothing worth replaying it for. It's so bad. I gotta find it on $8 and play it again, because I do not remember it this way. That is really shockingly... Like, because I, th- I remember, like, at the time, um, the what I, I don't remember the bad gameplay being the thing. The thing was, the story's terrible, it doesn't make it any is. fucking sense, the characters are shit... Um, it totally ruins characters. There's no emotional stakes. Uh, helicopters explode all over the fucking place. All of that is still true. There, there's way too much content in the game, and none of it's good. I mean, I remember all of that stuff, but I don't remember it not playing well, and I don't remember it not feeling good. Like that, I don't remember being anybody's complaint. So I'm really surprised that 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 you know, given a year. I mean, I have to revisit what you guys said at the time. It's possible you mentioned that, and I just overlooked it because of the sheen of enjoyment I had playing it. Um, Maybe, but I mean, I still go back to it's like, you know, if they made a full retail version of that Ben-Hur download game and it had 40 hours worth of levels, that wouldn't make it better just because there's more of it. And that's definitely I, how I feel about I Resident was, Evil 6. I was very worried you were – well, see, that's the thing though. So to me, it's pretty good, you know, and then there's tons of it. So, I mean, my argument isn't that, you know, tons of, of, of piles of shit on your driveway is good because there's tons of piles of it. I mean, my argument is that I enjoyed it, not as much as 5 or 4, but I enjoyed it, and there's so much of it, whereas usually Resident Evil games feel like there just isn't much there. It was more just like these guys, they really gave their all into making this game. Now, I understand there were some big missteps, and and, and from what you're saying, I'd have to replay it and see, but my feeling was, wow, they really made like three campaigns. You know, and and all three of them have a story, and all three of them have lots of levels, and uh, you know, it, it was just. I remember my other thing at the time was that of all the games that I played that year, and I was very much leaning on the what I enjoyed versus what is good argument. Sure. Um, of all the games I played that year, I spent the most amount of time enjoying myself playing that game, and so that's kind of where I fell on it. But I'd have to play it again in terms of overall quality. If you say the shooting doesn't feel good, that would be really big for me because it that's just... important. It it's it's not good. I mean, we we were look. I went in. I I spent the eight dollars. I've been trying. We've been playing it, and I'm just like, there's got to be something good here, and I just don't. I can't find it. I the I shotguns you know, I, don't I named punch. it. No, it feels like a rifle that just shoots slower. Wow, that it, that is really surprising. I have I I I wanted it to be better. I spent eight dollars. <laughs> feels like bucks. a lot. You got three campaigns, dude. Three terrible terrible campaigns and a fourth one i can only play alone um and then just just look i called it worst game of the year that year if in if we're still around three years from now it'll be a contender for worst game of the decade it's oh come on i no it's it's a very bad came out this decade dude and and i was worried you were about to go there if you're really gonna go there that then i that would be been her shorter all right man that's that's all right anyway i'm not saying it would win but it, it 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 would be in the conversation. It's a very it's it's a shitty game. Wow. Okay. Alrighty. Um. But yeah. So there's that. Uh, the last game I had that I have spent by far the most time with, um, and am almost done with, is uh Danganronpa two. Oh, awesome! Now you hadn't had you played one before. You played my copy, I, right? I did. I played one on the Vita. Okay. And then uh, I never did play the second one, even though – I mean it came out the same year, so I would have been probably pretty burned out anyway. Awesome. I can't wait to talk about this with you, by the way, because I played it up until the case where there's like that techno virus and you go into the technology town. You know what I'm talking about? There's like (laughs) – 
there's know, where well, you know the one where you go to like the Akihabara kind of area where there's all the technology and the computers in the in the buildings. The despair disease. Yes, that that. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. That um, that's where I left when you off. called it a technology virus, it was a little confusing. Yeah, but yeah, that, the one yeah, that made right. them that all act no weird. Yeah, that that makes no sense. You're right. Um, but that that part. And I was a little bit taken aback because it had gone so out into left field. Not that I was going to stop playing it. I just haven't gotten back to it. Um, but that's where I left off. So so give me your whole assessment of the game, and then I'm going to ask you some specifics. Uh, well, again, a big part for me – so the reason I got this is uh, Kelsey did buy it for Black Friday because she's always heard how much fun I had with Danganronpa 1. Oh, yeah. It's really fun. Uh, she's She played through the first one. She's already four cases deep in the second one. Um, but for me, I obviously wasn't going to revisit the first one, because even though I didn't remember all the specifics, it would be way easier to just look them up yeah. and then refresh myself as opposed to playing another, you know, 30 to 40 hours Visual of Visual novel content. games are very hard to replay for me. I think it, the best case would be is if something like 999 or Virtue's Last Reward, where you at least have the puzzle rooms that you've probably forgotten about. Right, right. Um, or if you're going to play them with someone who's never played it. Which I've considered, because those are on the PS4 now as well. But, um, yeah, I, I, it, it definitely felt familiar. It is the same premise of 16 students who are the ultimate uh, talents of, of Hope's Peak Academy. In this one, instead of being at the school, they are taken to an island. An evil bear robot shows up and says that they're trapped, and the only way to escape is to successfully murder one of the cla- other classmates without being discovered. Okay. And that starts happening. And, you know, you have the, the main gameplay part is the class trials where you use different bits of logic to, you know, argue with each other, to do logic dives, to, you know, play all these little mini games that let you solve the murder as you're arguing through it with the classmates. Because at the end, the goal is to vote for who you think did it. And if you vote wrong, everyone but the killer dies. Right. Um, it's just a very straightforward concept. It's very anime. It's way like a lot of these games, visual novels do come from Japan. So a lot of them are inherently very anime inspired. Danganronpa is way more anime than, you know, the Zero Escape games, which we're huge fans of. Right. So it definitely has that uh, element to it. But, you know, it it does a really good job of introducing all of these characters. And uh, I think the second one has had some really good mysteries. Yeah. Um, so far anyway. Uh, oh, okay. But again, I'm five cases deep, so... <laughs> when was the Despair Disease one for you? Is that recent, or...? Uh, that was the third one. Oh, okay. How many are um, there total? Six chapters. I Again, the sixth chapter in the first Danganronpa was different, so yeah. I, I'm i sure it's going to be here as well, just based on the story. <clears throat> Even so if there's there is a class trial. Trials? There's only five trials with 16 Yeah, no, there's people? probably a sixth trial, but I don't know what the specifics of it will be. Okay. Not a lot of that's not a lot of trials. I, I have forgotten that. It's not a lot of trials considering there's sixteen kids. Well, I mean, the first Danganronpa had survivors. It's not like yeah. it was down to the like the last person. No, I remember that. Um, yeah, yeah. And you know, there was a double homicide in both games where two people ended up being killed. So I mean it chops through its its roster pretty quickly. Yeah. Um but uh and a big part of it is also the island life where you just kinda go around, you can spend free time with the other people getting to know them a little bit. Um, and so the second game, in a lot of ways, is very similar. The biggest changes come from the uh, new introductions to the case trials, or the, to the class trials, like different mini-games, but it's hard to tell the specific differences, again, just because I haven't played the first one in five years, or however long it's been. Mm-hmm. Three or four, whatever. Okay. Um, 
But no, I'm really enjoying it. I mean, I think they do a good job of having these gigantically convoluted mysteries. And while I don't want every story I go through to be that, it is highly entertaining. The other thing is just there is a lot more Danganronpa now than there was when the first one came out because it was the first one. I mean, now if I wanted to, I could go play the third-person shooter that's also on PS4. The canonical, yeah, the canonical ending to this trilogy is the Danganronpa 3 anime, so I could watch that. That's available in English dub Wait, if I want to go watch what that. what do you mean the canonical ending? What about Danganronpa 3, the game? That is a new continuity. Wait, what? Yes, it is a, a, a hard refresh for the series. Wait, but what? The, yes. <laughs> Come on. Yes. So Dang It takes 3... place in a new continuity. So Dang and... Which is actually kind of a good idea, because this continuity is a little bit... Like, the core concept's awesome, but this continuity is a little whack. But I still want to play... I'm sure they through. always will be, but... <laughs> yeah, well, I, I really want to play this one through. Um, So how is the continuity going? So I, when I started playing the second one, I loved the first case or two, and then I started feeling like that despair virus. I was like, this is a little, like... I don't know, this isn't the kind of class trial shit that... Like, if there's viruses now, it's like finding a killer does that really a, a thing anymore is it or, or does it kind of go off the rails at that point no uh i think the well if you're if your worry is about that i think just from my memories of the first one i think the second one is almost immediately more ridiculous and over the top and that has fed into some of my theories that i'm starting to think may come to fruition uh as i'm heading into the final chapter oh of what's gonna be okay yeah uh, because a lot of it does set up where it's like – because it, it uses the same conceit of them having their memories taken away. But just just from – I don't want to spoil the first game, so I'm trying to avoid yeah, anything yeah, like that. Yeah. But just because of the way the first game ended and how this one is then set up, it feels like it's hard for them to reconcile without certain things that I'm hoping get revealed in the plot. Or, you know, I'd rather be surprised, so I hope it is something different that makes sense. Right, but, of course. But um, we'll see. The bigger thing is, uh, really, if, if you don't like the despair disease, the, the fourth case, uh, without giving too much away, uh, does go into a more logical mode of direction where they all get trapped somewhere and aren't allowed any food until a killing happens. So that's a more way down to earth reason. That's good. And then how's number five? Uh, five plays into some of the character dynamics, so it's hard to say. Okay. Got it. But got it makes sense. Um, and did you solve it? Were you, would you guess it pretty well? Or Yeah, I mean, they're always fairly guided. It's not like you have to do a lot of super hard detective work. Yeah. Sometimes it, it is, you know, the fiddliness of any of these visual novel games where it's like, I know what clue I need to use, and they're not catching up to me quite so fast, so right. where do I have to connect? Right, exactly. Like, I know, yeah, exactly, exactly. What is the connective tissue between uh, the, one, the thing they're asking me now and something they're going to ask me three questions from now, which I already know the answer to and how to prove? Yeah, but sometimes it actually does do a good job of surprising me. Yeah. Um, and and doing and things that make it so it's not immediately obvious who the killer is. I I've never found. Again, I'd have to go back and replay the first one to remember, or or just wipe my mind and replay it. Or but. or or watch the uh, anime. Maybe that could be. Yeah, cool. the anime is also out there. Um, but it's not. It's a case of. It's not like Phoenix Wright, where it's pretty obvious who the killer is, and your job is just to prove they're the killer. I've always found they've done a good job of throwing several possibilities and obscuring it until you get a little closer to the end of the trial. Right. And I, I think this one has done that really well. It had a big twist in terms of uh, who the killer was in the fifth one, which I really liked. Um, 
So so overall, it's just a super fun game. They're very anime, so there's a lot of fan servicey stuff that's a little like, nah, but you know, it's it's a fun over the top mystery with some pretty solid humor, some surprisingly good characterization because you know some of the characters are obviously just there to die. By about the third or fourth case, you kind of get a feel for who's going to be around till the very end of it. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm enjoying it on the whole, awesome. uh, and I'm I'm probably going to finish it up tonight or tomorrow since uh, I just kind of want to play that. So I have a, a couple questions. Um, if I wanted to, so I I left off like six eight months ago, so it's going to be hard to remember exactly what happened. Can I watch the anime to catch back up, or should I read a a, a fact? Like how similar are they? I know you haven't well, seen it, but uh, Danganronpa two doesn't have an anime, so what you would you would be kind of out of luck on that. Wait, one. what? What are you talking about? <coughs> there's no Danganronpa two animation, but there's a Danganronpa three. Yes. How does that freaking work? Well, just from what I can see, I don't. I, I think Danganronpa two is involved, but like the three main characters of Danganronpa three are three of the survivors of Danganronpa one. Oh, okay. So I think it is more focused on that side of things. On the first side. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. So this is kind of like a fun side story. Now, my next question. If I rushed through it, how quickly could I get back to the third case in Danganronpa on PS4? And should I or should I just play the... Because I have the Vita version and I'm already on the third case in it. And not only that, but I also have... Um, PSTV, which I was what I was playing it on, so I can play the PS Vita version on my TV. Is it worth getting the PS4 one? Is it that much more better in quality of life? No, I mean it's a visual novel. But does it? <laughs> I look mean, I better. Like, what did they do? I mean, I'm sure they upresed the visuals, but a lot of it does still feel Vita-ish. I mean, I, I wouldn't think like you're not you're not missing anything. Like, and I'm look, I know I'm the guy who doesn't care about graphics normally, but this is not something where it's an like play Danganronpa two on Vita. Okay, got it, got it, cool. Like, All they right. did not, if anything, they changed small things in maybe the interface, but I wouldn't know them, and it is still very much just what it was. Are you excited for Danganronpa 3, the game? Uh, sure, I, I'd like to play it. Is it's it out a yet? Full retail game that, yeah, just came out three months ago, so okay. I probably won't jump right into it. I, why are they calling it V3 if it's not a new, I, I don't get it, I just don't get it. I don't know. That's that's really uh, that's really odd. Okay, cool. I, when I saw you playing that again, I was like, "That's great." And are you gonna play Ultra Despair Girls, bro? Possibly. It is cheap. I mean, it's only thirty dollars. Yeah, it looks uh, and it goes on sale from time to time too. It, it does. It does look good. I just I I don't know. I'm I'm excited. I, you make me want to play the games again. Talking about them. Oh, I know what I was gonna say though. Um, I need to catch back up with what happened in the first two cases. What do you think is my best way to do that so I can start playing from the third one again? Um, I would honestly replay it. You know, I don't months. know. I, you probably find a good synopsis online. You could probably go through it pretty quickly. Um, if you, if you just, that. yeah, if you just skip through a lot of the dialogue and just go for the class trials and know what's going to happen. Um, I mean, the first case really is just the slight introduction to everybody one. The second one is probably where there's more character development. But I honestly don't think you'd be too out of sorts to just kind of re really what I would say is if you want to replay them, replay the parts where they're exploring the island, because like, every time they get a new island, they explore it. Those are the parts where it like mostly introduces the mytholo mythology stuff, even if it doesn't immediately explain that. Right. 
but you see and then the you stuff. can kind of skip through the other stuff got it cool man cool awesome well uh on that note i have one more to talk about and i think you know what it is um i played assassin's creed origins and playing isn't the word i destroyed that game <laughs> i played <laughs> so much assassin's creed origins and you know me like when i get really into a game and play it nonstop, i'm in every nook and every cranny and complete every aspect of it except for like trophies and achievements that's not my thing i'm i'm into like in-game completion um and so I spent 80 hours in Assassin's Creed Origins. That's what my clock says. Now, I may have, like, fallen asleep for a part of that or something, so it may be 65, 70, but it was a lot of time I put into that game. And for the most part, it is a really, really fun game. What are, just so I can sort of segue into this, what are your impressions of Origins so far, what you've read, what you've seen? Um, you know, I, I, and why it don't looks you like, have it yet? I, I just, I don't know. Um, I don't know. I'm just uh, not super interested in it. Yeah, yeah. Well, there's something about there's something about Bayek and the Egyptian story and the fact that Desmond is basically all but gone. I mean, you know, that story does sort of reconnect again in the in a very vague, you know, stopgap way in this one yet again, where it's just another like, let's travel to this place and here's a returning character from a previous game not doing anything. Abstergo's really fucked up. I mean, that's kind of like the modern day all you get. Um, but Egypt, you know, I mean, the focus of these games has been for a long time now, you know, just exploring the location and the main character is 100% whoever the assassin is. So it's very much, I would say story-wise, it's okay. Um, it's in the middle. Um, it's nowhere near as good as the Ezio story stuff. Um, it's nowhere near as good as the Black Flag stuff. That game is like a masterpiece. So Assassin's Creed 2 and Black Flag are both loads better than this game, you know, in terms of being Assassin's Creed games. This game feels very different. It feels like... So the combat's completely different, and at first it's very weird. I actually, and I never do this, but it, it, this will give you an, an idea of how I felt about the combat. I, after playing it for about four or five hours, I went online and look, looked up videos on how to get better at the Assassin's Creed Origins combat. Because it's just, it's very obtuse. There's not, it doesn't seem like there's much to it. You can block attacks, but really the best thing you do is somebody attacks, you just like do a roll out of the way, uh, you know, like a, a little like dodge move, and then hit them in the back. Um, and then once you do that enough, I mean, that's when they have shields. Otherwise, you just attack, 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 and they're dead. And then you get some skills that basically let you do an overpower attack, where once your bar is filled up, you just, like, hit two buttons, and then it just, like, kills the enemy. And then once you level that up another step, you can then take their weapon and kill another enemy with it. Um, so that, you know, the combat when you're actually fighting is fun. It's visceral. It, it doesn't have what you were saying the Resident Evil problem is where it doesn't feel chunky. It definitely feels good to kill dudes. Um, and, and, and when you're chopping dudes up and, and playing it, it, it feels solid. But it doesn't have a whole lot of depth in far as far as, like, I don't know. I really love the Assassin's Creed combat you know, where kind of like the Batman Arkham combat where you, you know, you, you dodge and then you kill him. And then another guy's behind you, you dodge him and then you kill him. And you just feel very assassin-like. In this, I'm just basically swinging weapons and hitting dudes. I mean, that's much more what it feels uh -huh. like. Now, that said, the stealth portions are rad because they, they finally are learning in these stealth games to not make it all or nothing. If you get caught, a couple guys in your area find out about it. But generally speaking, you can still go stealth on the rest of the location which is so fun. They finally realize these games these are video games and they're supposed to be fun. 
They finally got that message. Like, it's not supposed to punish you for fucking up and getting spotted. It's supposed... Like, if you can kill that guy pretty quickly, nobody else will know. Now, there is a mechanic where another dude will start running for a, uh, like, a, a fire thing that will, you know, alert reinforcements. But you can just take... You can set a trap on the fire thing, and then that stops that. So, clearing out all these strongholds is a really fun part of the game. Going through and getting the weapons. Now, you know, a lot of talk has been about how this one has RPG systems and loot. And it does. Um... The RPG mechanics, it just basically feels like a Far Cry game now, um, in a lot of ways. So these games are getting even more similar. Not that that should be very surprising. Um, but it's probably very similar to Far Cry Primal, although I didn't play that. Where, I mean, y you know, it's it's collecting weapons and leveling up abilities. You have a big ability skill tree. Um, and then you have a, um, you know, when you get, when you get certain weapons... They come in different forms. So there's the basic weapons that you get that you just throw away. There's um, uh, rare weapons that you get, which are really good for a while, but then you kind of get rid of them once you get legendary weapons. Legendary weapons are gold, much like exotic weapons in Destiny 2, um, but they're not like a lot of them. There's you know maybe 20 total or 25 total, and when you get mm -hmm. them, they're good, and they have different perks, and they're rolled with cool shit. Um, but generally speaking, I mean, they really fight and play much like the other weapons do. So there's not a huge difference when you get a legendary weapon. Sometimes they'll give you health when you hit a guy, so that's a big deal. But overall, it's really not that big a deal, the weapon stuff. Um, and then uh, I'm trying to think about what else there is to it. Um, completing it is fun, you know, going to every place and doing every quest. Um, it still has the investigations, but, I, you know, part, I'm, I'm reading into what you said, but part of, you know, your, your sort of maybe not being that pumped about it may come from the setting, being that it's like, although it's cool to explore Egypt from a virtual tourism perspective, it's like when there's a mystery in Egypt, it's like, what are the clues? You know, a little blood over here, a, a hawk feather. I mean, there's no, there, it's so old school and rudimentary that what is there? And, you know, they try to get around that. Like, for example, you get you can carry two bows, and there's four kinds of bows to collect. Predator bows, which is basically a bow version of a sniper rifle. And then there's the light bow, <laughs> which is a bow version of a machine gun. It's just, it goes, he just shoots a bow, arrow after arrow after arrow, like machine gun speed. And then there's the hunting bow, which is you pull it back and hold it and then shoot like a rifle. That sounds ridiculous. It's pretty ridiculous. Um, and then the fourth one is... Um, what's the fourth one? There's hunting, light, predator, and what's the fourth one? I don't think I used it much. I'm trying to remember. Um, oh, warrior bow, and that's a shotgun. Um, and that, and what it is is you take five arrows at once and shoot them all at a dude in a spread. This doesn't sound real. It sounds so stupid. Doesn't it sound pretty stupid? Um, the reality is, though, when you run through this virtual sandbox, it is very fun to run through. And then you can get all these cool mounts. Like, you can get a chariot that you can ride all around the world in. Um, you can, and, the, and the quests are pretty fun. There are two um, gladiator arenas that are fun. But the problem is you get all these awesome weapons, and when you get to the gladiator arena, all you can use is what they give you. So it's either sword and shield, a warrior shotgun bow, or like uh, or a staff, and that's all you can use. So it's it's kind of like true to the real gladiators, where you, you know they throw you a sword and you better live. But you spend the whole game getting great equipment, and then this end game content is basically that. And then they have these cool trials of the gods, where you know they're trying to extend the game and give it life. So every two weeks they have a new trial, and it's basically the hardest content in the game, where you have to like go to a special place in the desert, and then like this huge god lifts up. It's a glitch in the animus, and you have to shoot it in its heart, and then like it goes through phases. It's just these super hard bosses. They're not that hard once you figure them out, though. And they're fun. They give you special weapons. I enjoy doing them. 
Um, and then the other thing is, um, what is the other thing you can do in this game? It's the, um, oh, there's going to be two DLCs that come out that just like expand the content out. So that'll be kind of cool, I guess, when it happens. It's just very blah. I, I, I'd say it's like an eight out of 10 and it's just a really fun game to just play. But there's nothing about it that's like, oh my god, it's amazing. Not anything. It's just a really good time. Just play it through. Have a good experience. Um, and and it's one of those games I found myself playing and wanting to play, even though I didn't. I couldn't say I was having like this joyous occasion. So like you know, we always talk about the joy of gaming and the podcast named after that great like joyous feeling you get when you're playing a game you love. Um, this doesn't give me that feeling. Um, well, <laughs> but. It, it, it's close to that feeling for a very long expen- extended amount of time so it's 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 kind of it's it's interesting it's it's definitely interesting I, they need to get back to some of the core tenets of assassin's creed and still have this expansive scope and still have the rpg elements if they really want to have a great game on their hands because it lost a lot of its assassin's creed identity going in this direction um, and that's too bad because you know I, and I once once I'm a little separated from this game I'm gonna go back and finally play syndicate because you know it's an it's it's in freaking England I can't believe I haven't played it yet I'm being the anglophile it's a I good am. one yeah and a lot of people talk about it being you know maybe the best Assassin's Creed or one of the best um the story in that you 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 played that one and loved it what's the story like is it good I mean it's kind of your standard let's you know take out the Templar threat but I like that it splits it between two main characters who each have different priorities so that it doesn't seem as, you know, schizophrenic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and also it's just, I think, a good, fun time. Right. Well, you know, this one does have him and his wife, um, uh, Anna, and basically sometimes there's missions. It's very story-based. Like, after you do one assassination, then it flashes over to her, and she has these, like, naval battles she does because she's, like, trying to team up with the Romans to, like, get Caesar on the throne. And there are some, like, good twists around that story-wise a little bit, like when you find out what everybody's real motivations are. But nothing, like, a huge deal. Stuff that you kind yeah. of expect coming. You know, like everything. Like all the Assassin's Creed games. Um, the, uh... It does remind me of the one one news bit we did miss is that we it does look like we'll be getting that Assassin's Creed game nobody played in March. Um, which one? Uh, there was a listing for a uh, Rogue HD that's <gasps> apparently coming out in March. Oh, that's awesome! Yeah. Oh, I'm down for that. It's not a surprise. I'm kind of surprised it took this long. Well, that's good. You think they would have done it last year when there wasn't an Assassin's Creed game? Dude, they do what they want. I mean, Ubisoft is making a lot of money. I realized, you know, that I bought a lot of Ubisoft games this year. Like, I, I have, uh, I didn't, I haven't played it yet, but I bought the new South Park RPG. I got this game, and there was one other one I was looking at. I was like, oh shit, that's another Ubisoft game. There's a lot of Ubisoft games that are, you know, worth buying. Um, and then, you know, what Watch Dogs is Ubisoft this year. I mean, they have a lot of games. Um, and uh, they've really, really grown as a studio. This game just shows that they can make really fun games. They just, it's just missing a special sauce that makes it like a phenomenal experience. What do you think mm-hmm. it is, now that I've told you sort of a little more about it, what do you think it is that makes this one not grab you? Is it the setting? Is it the story? No, I like the idea of the setting. Yeah. I just, I, I'm, I'm, I'm still good. Yeah. Really, that's what it comes down to. I, there's a lot of open world games. Like I said, I have two right now: Horizon and Watch Dogs. So I'm not really needing to go get a third one. Yeah, that's a good point. I to me, um, Horizon is going to be awesome, and I'm just really glad that this got me like primed and ready for that. And it's really that because because Horizon is like 
Assassin's Creed with possibly better combat and a way better story that like people just fall all over themselves talking about. So I'm just really excited, and I love the idea of like post-post-apocalypse. That's the second time I've said that in this episode, amazingly. Um, but it's a post-post-apocalyptic setting, and and this sort of like techno meets nature vibe, kind of like we saw in that game Enslaved Journey to the West. You know that kind of aesthetic. Yeah, which is really compelling to me and really just looks awesome. So, uh, I am really ready to play some more Horizon. I'd, I'd say that's that's what I'm most excited about playing. Um, but that's about it for me. Nice. Um, I did remember one other thing just from you talking because it has been a few weeks. Uh-huh. Uh huh. I, I I did get back to Hitman. What? No, you didn't. <laughs> Why no, is that so you surprising? Didn't. I don't know. I just feel like I I don't know. I feel like you played the shit out of that first area. And I just yes. can't believe that you like felt compelled to pick it up ever again. It's like that first area was a whole game in and of itself. It was very in depth. I went back and I I just I tried to have a different focus this time because I, I don't know I was missing it. I know their work. The well the the newest DLC just came out. Wait um, what? <clears throat> I thought the game was gone. Oh the studio. No was gone. well, no no they they Square Enix either gave or sold them back the rights to Hitman, so they just own it outright now. Okay. So IO now just fully owns Hitman, um, and they're they're working on whatever is next. But the first thing they did was they re they launched uh, the Patient Zero DLC, which is a collection of three or four new missions that you know they take place on the maps, sort of like the summer bonus episodes with slight variations. Um, and so it's like a four part mini campaign. Did you play that? No, that that requires uh, buying it. <laughs> oh. Because um, it's a new $20 DLC. Oh! Oh, shit! That's expensive for what it sounds like it is. I mean, four new mir- four new missions with, like, all of the new escalations, new challenges. I mean, there's probably a lot in there. It's like oh, any okay. of them. Okay. <clears throat> well, well, but the other ones all had new areas, so... Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, I went back to Hitman. I-, I remembered it because you were talking about stealth that, you know, <laughs> screws you if you get caught. Yeah, um, and, it is And that. Hitman can do that I, it is it is pretty good about letting you keep going and letting you only get affected in certain areas and you can slip away so it's that's not good. like super brutal well, but um no i've been really enjoying it uh the biggest reason being i i went in fresh i skipped sapienza which i really don't like sapienza because of the whole like you have to go kill destroy a virus part of it oh and the big reason i hate that is that the virus is unmoving and there's like one or two ways to do it. So it's like this, it it takes what is great about the targets where there's so many ways to kill them and adds this thing that you have to go do that is more or less always the same. Oh, I don't get it. Kill the virus. That's you're assassinating a virus. Well, it's like, there's two targets. There is a funder, there's a research scientist, and then there's a like doomsday virus that they are trying to develop under their lab. And that's like the third part of the mission. Yeah. Okay. And so you have to like there there are two ways into the place, and you basically have to put on a suit and go inside and like destroy the virus. So it, there's not a lot of variety to that part. So it's like this thing you have to do. It got better because I did first I played Marrakesh, which is the third miss, mission, and I really like. A lot of people didn't review wise, but I like that it's a, it's a more tightly contained area, and um, I like the setting. I just uh-huh. liked everything about that one. Uh, I went back to Sapienza. Eventually, once you get mastery high enough, you can start in the lab. 
which is nice for just getting that out of the way. <laughs> oh, so you just do the lab and then roll on. Um, sometimes. Again, it all varies. And once you learn the maps, that, that was my thing. I didn't want to get so obsessed with it because that was, I think, my problem is that when I was playing Paris, um, I was like, no, let's do everything in Paris and let's do every possible way to kill them and let's, you know, get it up there and do all this stuff that it became all I thought of the game. So the new area was a real shock to me. This time I was like, I played Marrakesh for long enough to get to mastery, but I, I would play it. I do I do basically the mission once a night, and after okay. about a week, I just moved on and I went to uh, I went to to uh, Bangkok, which I, I haven't gotten past that because that's right about when Black Friday hit. But I I played Bangkok a few times and, oh. and just tried to ease into it because I do want to play that. I mean, it's it's a massive game, and I am excited for whatever they're doing next with the franchise. So. Yeah. Well, I mean, that it'll be interesting to see if they just continue it still, like with more just seasonal content with the same engine, which is probably what they'll do. Um, just like a new season, which would be cool, because that was originally the idea, is they were just going to do yeah. season two. Like, if they could keep introducing new mechanics and new stuff, I don't think there's any problem with doing that. Yeah, I mean, people are Because Hitman hasn't evolved visually that much. No. It's bald dude with a barcode on his back of his head that nobody seems to notice. Um, and, and when they tried to change it too much, you got Absolution, which everybody hated. Right, exactly. So now they made it just like it was, and everybody loves it again, and there's tons of content, and I mean tons. Uh, so you've done now four of, or you're starting the fourth area. So now you've done, Mar- Mar- well, what is the one you don't like, Sapienza? Sapienza. I've so done now- it a good number. I haven't fully gotten the mastery to 20. And I mean, again, I've done, none of them have I done everything in. There is a lot of stuff to do. Um, right. And a lot of it is like the more fiddly, you know, kill both targets without getting spotted or having any bodies discovered while only wearing your hitman suit sort of challenges. That's not fun for me. It might, I, I want to play like medium to, to, to semi hard stuff. I'm not it. But then again, if, I, you like masochistic shit sometimes. I mean, I do sometimes, honestly, those are the sort of things where if there was a reason to do it, like achievements, I might look up a video guide. Yeah. Um, I, I, I enjoy it, right? figuring the stuff out and playing through it the first time and, and just having fun with it. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot to do for that. Got it. Well, that's cool, man. That's cool. That's another game I need to play. This has been, man, I, I, it, what a, what a glut of great games the last two years to play. I have so many things on my, on my list to play. I mean, just an insane amount. And it's been a really good year already. How, how do you like the year so far? Uh, you know, solid overall. I don't think I've been f- blown away by anything, but there've been a lot of just solid fun games. Yeah. Yeah, I, th- I think that's true, too. Awesome. All right, well, on that note, uh, let's just uh, close out. Uh, why don't you talk about where people can find you? Well, you can find me personally at uh, Indigo Master on Twitter. That's E-N-D-I-G-O-M-A-S-T-E-R, which is all the updates on my writings and whatnot. You can find me at Facebook.com slash Jordan Alsega Writer and Jordan Alsega.tumblr.com, which is, you know, my least active, but it is there with just a kind of rough profile. It's just hanging uh, out, tumbling around, you know. Yeah, you can, of course, find The Joy of Gaming at thejoyofgaming.com, where the podcasts are, thejoyofgeek.net for written content, Facebook, The Joy of Game, uh, The Joy of Gaming, The Joy of Geek. You can find us at The Joy of Game on Twitter. And, uh, yeah. I think that's about it. You can find me at Rich Lepore on Twitter. Um, and next up, I am going to be playing some Horizon um, and possibly popping in. Oh, I didn't even mention this, but I picked up Disgaea 5. It was only 20 bucks for Switch. Okay. Um, I, I don't know if I'm going to be able to get into it, though. It's it's. What's fun about this guy, real quick? Um, That's that's a tricky question. <laughs> um, that's like one time. It was. I want to tell you a funny story real quick. So when I went and interviewed the guys from um, uh, 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 that movie, uh, MacGruber, um, 
what's that guy's name? The guy in uh, Last Man on Earth. I always forget his name. Will Forte. Will Forte. When I interviewed him and and those guys, I I was like, they were like, we have time for one more question. You guys have a quick one. And I the only thing I had left was asking like what the idea was for Gilly, right, on Saturday Night Live. So I asked them. I was like, uh, what would you say like is when you're thinking of Gilly? And I was a little more naive and and not that not that sharp on questions at this point. I don't know. I, or I was off at this point or thrown off. But I basically said um, the worst question ever. I was like, what was like the idea for Gilly? Like when you're thinking up that character, like what was the design doc or the thought on her? And these guys were like, that is the like non quickest question I ever heard, you know? Um, so anyway, I kind of threw one of those at you here. Um, no, but- I will say this about this guy. What I used to like about it was the very solid, um, strategic maps i feel like it definitely got more away from that more just big gonzo over the top like combos and and fighting and the humor got way more over the top as well so i just kind of grew away from it i see is five supposed to be good or i think so um but i don't know i i I haven't played since four so that would have been two games back Mm -hmm. interesting Uh, and then yeah Okay, cool. Well, I'm going to be playing that, possibly. And then also, um, I want to dive into that new South Park game. Are you going to pick that up? Did you like Stick of Truth? I did like Stick of Truth, but I'm just not... I don't know. I'm not as interested in playing this one. Yeah. Well, doesn't this one have uh, the superheroes, though? It does. I just... I don't know. <laughs> okay. All right, cool. What's up for you on tap? Oh, and Horizon for me. I think I already said that. What's up for yeah. you? Uh, I'm a finished Danganronpa. All right. Because that really is the main thing I've wanted to play. Um, and then after that... I don't know. I might dive into um, Wolfenstein more heavily, uh, but I might also get back to Persona 5. That sort of anime inspiration is from Danganronpa is why I kind of want to get back to it and just finish it. But Yeah, yeah. Persona 5 is one of those things I want to get back to, too. You got, like, one step further than me, and it's stuck in my mind. You said – you. I told you where I would left off, like, what mission, like, right after you're, like, in the – the one with the fast food thing, and you were like, I can totally imagine how that would be a place where you would leave off, you know? Yeah. Um, so I, 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 rem- I always remember that, and I, I need to get back to it, because you're right after that, right? Oh, no, you're much further. Uh, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm through the next dungeon. Not this one that I'm on, but the one after that, and that's when the yeah. thing that happens that, that threw you off. Yeah, yeah. Oh. And not that it was bad, it was just what I kind of, what seemed like was going to happen. So. And you were hoping it was going to be something different. I was hoping for a bigger twist, yeah. Okay, got it. Cool, man. But well, on that note, um, we uh, let's sign off until probably game of the year. Um, I no, all am... the all the of the years are coming for both shows. Hey, so. that's true. That's true. That'll be fun. Um, that's that's actually a really good point. So, um, on that note, I'm Rich Lapore, Jordan Alseca, and we'll see you later. Bye.